Okay. Should we do a record? It's recording right now. Great. You talk, you talk. I want to see what you do. I will do. Hello again. Uh, welcome. Yes, that is a good voice. Sorry. Yes, that, that's, yes. That's, yes. I can actually see it on good. I was Good. I was a little quiet last time. Um, hello again. Hello welcome again. Welcome to 3.5, possibly 4. I mean, yeah, it's, 3. it's our fourth episode, but it's episode 3, part 2. Yeah, yeah. That's, on the, on the, yeah. that's a fairest way of doing it. I suppose. I mean, uh, we are technically recording this a few days later. Uh, hmm. Three by normal counting, four if you're Catholic. <laughs> um, mainly to save our own sanity. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, There were some things we wanted to go finish going over, and some things that we didn't really get to at all. Including um, proper branding and promotion oh, yeah. of our own podcast. Yeah. So, welcome to Radio Free Golgotha. Welcome to Facebook Interjection. <laughs> welcome to Radio Free Golgotha. We can be found on the internet at www.radiofreegolgotha.com. That's right. You can find us on the internet. That's all one word. That's all. Yes. There's no dashes, hyphens, or uh, assumptions of your knowing exactly what an internet is. Um uh, check us out there for show notes, which we swear we are putting up. We have all but finalized mm-hmm. uh, show notes. It has been uh, just a quick interjection on that. It is, it is a, a much lengthier process than we um, imagined mm-hmm. doing, uh, but it is exciting to see. Um, you're going to get a lot of Wikipedia, to be honest, but that's when we don't. We can quickly reference something, but right. there are a lot of book recommendations and, and just further reading um, on both our parts to... Uh, to help further the conversation along mm-hmm. um, and also to make it exciting when we revisit the exact same topics next year. <laughs> um, but uh, sh- check us out there for show notes and uh, brief biographies and current events, which yeah, might list- be past events by the time you get to them. Lists of talks and things that are coming up, mostly um, hopefully coming up. Some some webinars as well, so even if you're not in the, mm-hmm. the New and, York area. Uh, uh, ideas of what the show's about and our, our agenda and the ever-expanding possibility that we may actually publish those pages at some point. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So, website's nice. And you can listen to us in a multitude of ways. Uh, you're already listening to us, so you, uh, presumably you've, you've found a way. And we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Uh, go like us there, please. Uh, uh, you know Facebook throttles. Uh, this type of page so make sure to check back we are trying to put interesting relevant things um, we'll discuss some of the show notes more and can keep you up to date on current events and by current events I mean uh, Al's various lectures all over New York um, and, and some s- webinars and, and some webinars and, mm. and the witching city a lot of this you know um, so just making sure that we actually promote the, the, the podcast absolutely so, um, uh, probably a lot about edited out uh, but Visit the website. Visit us on Facebook. Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, the four ways to listen to us include YouTube uh, for kind of equanimic access in this way. Uh, we are on iTunes uh, for ease of subscription to people who have iTunes. Um, you know, uh, all political comments aside, it is an extremely simple way to do things. Um, we are on iTunes. And we are, uh, you can download our RSS feed uh, from the website as well as subscribe to us using a blog subscriber or something like that. Or just check the website Mm -hmm. for the current episode. 
Jaha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really anything else except... Well, welcome. Yeah, hello again. Uh, if you've listened to the one before, you'll know that we promised uh, to get at uh, a bunch of things. Um, we did briefly talk about Moonstone and hinted at Moon Milk. Uh, I definitely wanted to, to go back over uh, uh, Sefer Ratzael and its connection to Adam and Eve, who we, we did talk about as, as uh, first ancestors, uh, and they, they kind of kicked off our why dead magicians the the yellow brick road through this discussion of everything there mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. talked about moonstone or milkstone i think we talked did i say moonstone you did which, oh uh, no 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 milkstone that is a possible milkstone okay. <laughs> but wow i just uh, existed in an alternate history there for a second of like, oh my <laughs> god i don't remember no no i think i'm i think i'm uh, uh, gaslighting us both that's um, fine just you know as long as we're lighting our farts no to tie it into the intro for the last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so t- t- catching up on Stone Talk, mm-hmm. expanding a little bit. Um, we did talk about Moldavite a little bit and Emerald briefly and, you know, the calcifer in the fireplace mm. thing. Whiteness and uh, gain, so uh, Albus and Acquisitio, mainly Acquisitio, and also how uh, either of those things relates to the wider Candlemas and uh, the Odu of Ofun. Mm-hmm. Scary, scary old fool. Mm-hmm. Where the curse was born. Mm-hmm. What that curse is, we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, some dandelion. Definitely some dandelion mm-hmm. and some acknowledgement of, uh, uh, you know, the is it the Portland Zoo that has hedgehogs that predict the weather more accurately than Puxitani Phil now? Um, it's the groundhog, right? It's one of the groundhogs. Um, yes. I'm sorry, I forget you're British sometimes, no, and that fine. you don't share our enlightened customs. Um, do you have a Candlemas bear in Britain, or do you are you just heathens and don't celebrate Candlemas because it's the old religion? <laughs> no, I mean, we'll, there'll, there'll, there'll be there's more Imoki stuff. I mean, certainly in the southwest, there's an awful lot of cheese festivals. Cheese is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, as far as this is just another interjection. As far as Sabbaths go, I love Imok symbolism. I adore the feeling of the celebration of this time of year. Mm. Um, the return of fire to the land and the kindling of that. It, it is, it is hope. It is a, a, a tide of hope. And that is really lovely to experience in your life that like the whole thing is about there's new potential. Mm-hmm. Get ready to plant. It's not even, you have to plant now. You don't even have to like figure out everything now. And I really enjoy that that idea it is it is the baby ner- eat, eating at mommy's breast it, mm-hmm. that was a really weird way of phrasing that it is it is being breastfed by the land and as a cynical um, magician as many of us are um, it is an opportunity to look past our own baggage and emotional damage to see what the potential for the year is and I enjoy that. The, the hardened ice and snow melts. Mm-hmm. And even in my exposure to it as a Sabbath, I was in Southern California. I mean, sure, we had snow in the mountain, but it's not like we had winter that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still something about this time of year and mm-hmm. the church festivals and things mm-hmm. like that, which plays into, again, why I like fixing us to the 
um, fascism of the Catholic calendar. Um, you know, whether you're northern, southern hemisphere or, you know, uh, Polynesian tropics, hmm. the, the calendar stays consistent and therefore the, the saint lore has to adapt to fit your location. And that is... Yeah, Ronald has a lovely thing about... Um, because, of course, uh, a saint of sore throats is going to be served around the start of February. Yeah. Uh, this is this is very apt. And even the looking at just the progression, I was talking about this with someone a few days ago, I, at the end of January, that we start, we talked about this last time, the start of Carnival, mm. the, the festivities coming and waking up the land, but mm. you get the saint, who I can't remember her name, the saint is like the end of January, it's like the 29th or 30th, again, I'll footnote it, uh, that is the servant of Bridget or mm-hmm. her cousin or mm-hmm. some, something mm-hmm. along that but she opens the way mm. of like you know she gets her foot in the door and allows Bridget to come in so mm. you know it's still a couple days before Bridget's feast day and the Bridget's feast day is mostly the first but in some areas is the second mm-hmm. and this way of making sure that February starts off with light um in addition to Candlemas, in addition to Blaze, in addition to Agatha, mm. and this building theme that everybody's using candles um, to the point where Agatha on the 4th and 5th, eventually the milk flow happens. Right, um, and, and this is fascinating in terms of how, say, looking through, I don't know, someone like uh, uh, Stephen Wilson's uh, The Magical Universe um, every which day. Which is an excellent book, and I'm really upset that you made me, uh, you didn't make me, you recommended I read it. And then I got it and realized I had to put every other book aside to read it. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit Golden Bowish. It is. It is. Because he's a bit like, look at this thing over here. And yeah. then look at this thing over here. And then look at this thing over here. Sometimes uh, a fascinating tradition is boiled down to, to two sentences. Mm-hmm. So we can go through all of Europe uh, up to about what? like footnotes then. Right, right, right. Well, they're, they're in there. But. What's interesting is looking at the uh, candle traditions. Obviously, mm-hmm. starts with saying like, well, Candlemas. Let's, let's go through those things we kind of talked about last time. The, the purification stuff. But the... The other most common candle stuff is not necessarily even protecting the new child, like the spring. It's the it's the labor before. It's yeah. the travail. It's all of the kind of ensure that, you know, in this liminal dangerous time of getting ready to birth something, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the convulsions of spring, uh, you know, of spring's promise, that we also have a, a light lit in the darkness and we also have... The, the wax spilled and protected across not just the home but the fields around the home mm. and not just the the mass but the whole church of the mass and the the consecration of the the wax in those purposes is is, is really interesting the playing on the lore going into Spanish Basque Pyrenean celebrations of Agatha of walking around and asking for food and sharing your last scraps of the winter, your stores of the winter with people that are coming and singing starts the carnival season in this way. And this idea that the nourishment of breast milk, Agatha's breasts were cut off. So the nourishment comes from the breastless one. Um, and this is very, very Christian symbolism there, obviously mm-hmm. of like what you give up, you will get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it all plays on that in a lovely way. Again, returning fire to the land in some way that you've saved, but you now know that you're going to make it through the winter most likely. And if you return some of it to the land, that it will prepare the land to receive the sun fully when spring comes, that it is the warming and described by some, because the colors of this Sabbath, if we look at it from the, from the neo-pagan and, and witchcraft perspective, it's, it's often red and white. Still mm. similar to these, these fertility festivals that come in, it's the white, but it's starting to be stained by red. It's not mm-hmm. in equal amounts. No. But if we look at this, it's compared to, um, 
it is not sexual maturity in the sense of like that the year is at that level yet, but it is the arousal stage of woman in in many of the discussions about this Sabbath. Mm. Um, it's the warming of the organs to receive mm-hmm. that the earth has to be warmed up to receive the nourishment and the primal fire that is going to happen when the sun hits Aries mm. and that to allow the Ram in, we must be ready. And this is also to face with honesty, the reception of the sun into and into the fields and everything that we must not have stored beyond our means. So there is a lot of tradition of giving things away at this time so that it does not look like you hoarded. Hmm. So that it is not having been taken um, for granted that you, we did prepare well, we made it through, we shared with our neighbors, and now we really share. There's this little bit of like, we're okay, we can party. It's a cheat day. Right. It's it's the start of a cheat day, especially we know that Lent is coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's this thing, and Lent is so freaking weird because... Is it coming up really soon or is it coming up in a couple of months and only the priest knows because <laughs> tricksy, tricksy lunar calendar is being inserted back in solar dominated calendars again. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to the star as well to an extent, right? Uh, that that hope, not just uh, in an abstracted sense, but the, the raw actual like, no, here is here is bread. Yeah. Yeah. So it, an actual pouring out. Which is also what we get, hopefully, uh, when Acquisitio is well dignified as well, that the two bowls overflow. Yes, um, and then the question how it ties into other things of at what cost? Mm-hmm. What is the cost of that? And the, and the, the depletion of the mother um, oh. to, to give birth to the child mm. and the recognition in many ways uh, across the board. Like, what does the land need to be replenished? Mm. It's interesting you raised the ram. I found, uh, again, in, in Wilson, uh, a nice little thing about uh, Basque traditions uh-huh. of uh, putting the, the blessed Candlemas candle wax uh hot waxing along the the spines of your livestock yes and doing a, a cross with that and then burning three hairs on the tail of each head of cattle uh yes lots of exploration of the archetype of the the flaming bull or the red bull mm. in uh iberian and Pyrenean um, mythology there and the the re blooding of the door that can happen at several times during the year, but that the blood, the, the door is literally ox blood, hmm. um, is, is, is fascinating to me, but it faces the rising sun. And so you, of course you have to prepare the land for these things, um, and go into color symbolism another time. And, and, uh, that's a whole other interesting sidebar weird mini episode is, uh, color symbolism around the world and, and the, the lack of universality. Hmm. And sometimes the flow of red is always going to be likened to blood, but different cultural beliefs about what blood is play into, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm-hmm. And is it a color of war or fertility? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the juxtaposition of those things and context that's needed to understand those things. And, um, the little social codings and, and ritual codings that, um, are, I think we are past the kind of sixties through, early nineties mentality of universalism, um, on a, on a, on a bigger scale. Hmm. Um, a lot of the books written in that time period and before that time period, do you propose like a, um, an ultimate perennial philosophy leaking out that not to negate a perennial philosophy idea more that it can be taken to the extreme and therefore say that my initial perceptions of something much like we were talking about the emic etic divide and, and the importance of context of, making sure that you are actually receiving what the symbol is sending. 
Hmm. Uh, that there is a value in what you receive of something on your own without your own, with, with your own cultural biases and backgrounds and expectations and hopes and dreams and fears. Mm-hmm. And, um, We're all the, not just the kings of our life kingdom, but the priests of our, our own life temples. Yeah. And that's the, especially with oral traditions and, and this, the, the danger of being written down is, um, there is a lack of context and cultural context that is that is lost. And certainly, if I look back at biblical education classes through my whole life in Catholic schools, and and whether with the church officially or through through, so much of it is just putting biblical passages in context culturally and historically, hmm. um, so that we can appreciate why it's important to list this thing or to say this one word or why this word is so powerful. Uh, you know, talking about the number of the beast and things like that. Like why? Hmm. And it's because we lack the historical context. Mm-hmm. Um, we lack the cultural context. We lack the linguistic context. Uh, we lack a humanity that is mouth to ear. Mm-hmm. And the pairing of that even uh, sometimes in these literary traditions, which playing on dead magicians, one of the advantages to it is, if I want to compare it to Imbolc, is it, it returns a little bit of the fire back to the land, which is our books. Meaning that engaging in spirit contact, genuine spirit contact, not mental permutations, not projections, which is hard to filter through. Right. But it adds something back into, it adds a midrash Mm. into the canon of the grimoire. It's an extra layer. And hopefully you're always dealing with a set of epistemological palimpsests we're into kind of uh i didn't need to call it didn't need to bring up epistemology there but i did like knowledge knowledge yeah. bases knowledge lattices it's, it's 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 you know calling on uncle Foucault a little bit but we're you're dealing with an archaeology of these things and not just an archaeology of the the historiography of a thing but also of your own understandings uh-huh. and when you're like yeah when you're genuinely getting at spirit contact with that all you can definitely say is at that point this was an extra layer this was an extra unpeeling uh, of, of part of the apple that yeah. I, w- I was able to, to, to get at the, the, the flesh of the thing. If we look at like even the parallels of, of landscaping that's used in talk, especially the metaphors used in traditional witchcraft a lot, which is a broad term, but I'll pretend it's a unified monolith right now. <laughs> uh, the following the symbol metaphor of the idea of clearing your field to receive the seed um, is a, is a wonderful parallel for initiation and we can also talk about initiation as an ongoing process mm. that if you do not work to clear a field, you will not bear as much fruit. Uh, that if you do not return some of the fire to the land to warm it up, it will not receive the sun. Well, mm. if you do not, uh, repair from the previous birth of, of knowledge and insight that you will not be able to deliver the next insight. Mm. Um, so in as much as if, as an advocacy for, for dead magicians, when, the contact with spiritual teachers, especially when you supposedly have none, mm. because it is a dead tradition. If you want to look past the plethora of um, Facebook friends you can make, um, and the discussion about this through through various media in especially the last ten years, mm. um, let's look to the dead to mm. at least perhaps because one of the hallmarks of spirit contact is spirits disagreeing with you and pushing you and uh, your reaction to that, that if a spirit comes and confirms everything you are already doing as perfect and, and And it just so happens you're actually a real king. Yes. That's your, uh, there's, it's selling something Mm -hmm. or, uh, 
at the very least interested in, in killing you and stealing your life essence <laughs> um, on a very, you know, who knows what dangers lurk when you open up the Ouija board. Um, uh, if I think about how to pronounce that word, it's always going to come out like it's Ouija. Ouija. Anyway, spirit board. Uh, the portal is opened. Just the idea that the advocacy is there. And it does tie into allowing ourselves to receive what we potentially can. Right. Um, if you want to be very vulgar, there are other metaphors you can make about building up to larger things being inserted in smaller holes and keep that. I have to keep that in mind that the work is never done. You have to be very cognizant of our own biases and our own learning process and unlearn and the kind of anamnesia that must happen. Right. Um, I like you raised that last time. I really like the concept of, yeah, the loss of forgetfulness. And also that if we know that we are biased towards something, that's not enough. It is the, it is enough to have that awareness Mm -hmm. to start to do something. Right. But a lot of times now there is this, Oh, I've labeled my issue. So it's not an issue anymore. And I know I compartmentalized, which means it's not a problem because I have the word for it. Yes. It's, (laughs) you must know the name of the demon. This is true, Mm. but you must also bind it. Right. Or make it an ally if you want to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, feed your demon in the Sutramalioni way. Um, yeah. Anyway, transformative action through metaphor and preparing. And the, the, the richness that myth offers and, and dealing mythically. Again, you know, uh, a good practitioner doesn't confuse history for myth or vice versa but understands that both can be useful. And again, I think pouring something back into the field of the, the mythic wellspring, uh, gives, yeah, prepares <laughs> yourself <laughs> for further. <laughs> did you believe what you were saying that's, there? I did. That was my mixed metaphor face. My, 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 my didn't quite work as a cocktail, uh, uh, uh mixed metaphor. Too much gin. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually, it's when the rye goes in that I get confused. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, this, this idea of rekindling hope every year, is is good in the sense that you know I, I guess the the advantage of certain ways of looking at the universe is that you should find inspiration. Every moment has a possibility of nurturing or depleting us, mm-hmm. and one of the things that is the most rewarding about that worldview is the responsibility I have that it's not just about making lemonade out of lemons. It is being selfish and realizing the power in reinventing or rekindling hope. In, in yourself and the possibilities of the world, mm. um, especially given how many, I would say people, but I can say us feel and are agitated by per- current uh, politics and, and on all sides, mm. uh, that the idea of finding how to help that fan your own sense of purpose um, and how to prepare your land with your little candle of hope to receive something from outside yourself that'll then allow you to bear fruit Mm. Um, because it's the solitude and we can talk about magic as a solitude driven path, Mm. the melancholia that drives us. Um, But we can be miserable together at first and maybe (laughs) it will get us somewhere. As long as that drives us to action, Mm. there's something there that the Saturnine patient act of plowing the field and waiting for it to do something. Mm hmm. There's a there's yeah exactly and there's a consequent kind of 
trajectory that can either be uh, succumbed to unwillingly and we can fight the fall all the way down or we can hopefully engineer things so that we get to use it as the 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 ski slide again right you you brought up the 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 fallen angel thing right? right you know if we can say that you are this you are the summation or the uh, result of the love of thousands type of mm-hmm. Facebook meme mm-hmm. of and it's beautiful, right? You're standing on the shoulders of thousands of people that you know. I won't bring in the I, I did in my head, so I'll footnote that so it doesn't depress us. But the other side of it, if I want to do the, the lovely magical side of you are the hope of every fallen angel mm. um, that there is. For some, it is about redemption. I don't think that's as interesting so much as what drives the work further, what drives the exploration deeper, what expands the onion layers of ourselves Hmm. and pushes at it. And, and a new birth happens, which is always painful. Hmm. Um, and we block out the the pain for a reason. The inverse of the fall might be the scrabbling out of the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Victorian (laughs) bell. Um, yeah, the, the, there's almost like a Dali effect of the fall from heaven that the idea that the dead walk upside down below us, that maybe we fall through the earth and now we're falling back up to heaven, mm-hmm. that, the, the, that the, the movement away could be circular, cyclical, or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's gonna, I'm going to cut that shit out. <laughs> but the idea that... We don't know where we're going when we're falling. We have a presumption. We have an idea that the impact will hurt us or harm us. And sometimes it is allows for something completely different. And I, again, this is all stemming off of, I enjoy the symbolism of this Sabbath, this time of year, this mass of purification of the Virgin meaning she's virginified, her hymen grows back after baby Jesus mm-hmm. um, comes out um, in the most devout Catholic way. Uh, and just, I like sacramentals. I like when the church gives me gifts to go home and make my faith at home in a, in a physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is done with Jesus, but you know, you take Jesus home in an invisible form inside you through the communion. Mm-hmm. Um, communion is wonderful, but unless you know, you're doing some, black magic, you know, most people don't take the host home, uh, physically it's now dissolved. Mm. Watch the teeth. Um, but getting candles is fun. Yeah. And keeping them and, 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 and having them there for emergencies. Remember which one was in your left hand and which one was in your right hand. <laughs> Dave. Okay. <laughs> that said, inbox fun. Yay. Yeah. Milkies. Mm-hmm. Milkies, milkies, milkies. So how's that for a segue to go back to Milkstone? Mm, that's good. I like that. Wonderful. You you talk about Milkstone again, Al, because really when we looked back, we had like five minutes of talking about it, and it was mostly me talking about Moldavite. So mm. shut up, Jesse. Al? We had some stuff on uh, saliva. It encourages saliva. It's hung on a blue thread, and I, I like that because, I mean, we didn't. Uh, particularly talk too much about well yeah about uh, uh, not Agatha so much as Agnes um, and her links of of the chaste one and also the the bright one the clear one Uh those kinds of things uh, and her links to the the lamb as well that lovely Agnus Agnes uh, stuff 
can I ask? Can I ask? A, I'm sorry. I can ask a question. Because mm-hmm. something that comes up in even in preparing the episode, uh, the decision to do Milkstone because it's oh you know milky milky festival, mm-hmm. and we know that it very possibly could be a a cloudy emerald, which we've talked about mm-hmm. a white a white emerald, but. It's an interesting thing because we don't know what the stone actually is. And, and we've hit this kind of thing with heliotrope describes an action right. from episode one. And so it can be flower or stone. And there are many heliotropic lore. There is many a heliotropic Sus-queam. lore. Susqueam. Yes. Yeah. Um, whew, getting fancy. Um, <laughs> he is a doctor. Um, I'm curious about, in the context of history, since we seem to be very broadly topically philosophical in these two episodes, mm. which are one episode, which are two, like, <laughs> you know, exploring the mystery of the Trinity, except not, um, historically looking back into history, which was clearly describing what was perceived of or presented as a physical object that may or may not have been actual to the reader or to the writer cataloging it, that it was either, at worst, completely invented for the sake of selling a book or or material of like, I've got 20 milk stones in my pocket and here's my book that tells you what it does to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or that it is describing a memory of a memory and through a telephone game of, you know, is a manticore actually a tiger? Hmm. Um, and it's just a way to describe it. Or is the basilisk a hooded cobra mm-hmm. and we don't have those snakes and, you know, that type of thing right. of... Are they metaphors and parallels? Are these being mythologized because of sensationalism? Something like the milkstone that that helps milk flow and something like the milkstone, something like the milkstone that helps milk flow and increases saliva and has this lore in the historical context of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we there's, we've basically outlined uh, a bunch of different approaches to what it might be. Is it a description of an action? Is uh-huh. which it you know, should have been originally, right? Uh, or was it, or uh, it's always an action, whether or not it's a, it's a physical action or a mythic action, in which case we're into historiola, if it's a mythic action, if it's the stone that kind of looks a bit like milk and, and is said to be, you know, the, 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 the lactate of such and such a goddess, uh, right? So we have description of action, then we need to work out whether that's a physical, like when you do, when you put it in water, it makes the water milky, uh-huh. uh, which always makes me think of, um, that it's it's Aristotle, isn't it, that does the the milk experiment with when, at what point is it not milk anymore? When I put two drops of ink in, you still can't really tell, but I know there's ink in there, mm-hmm. and it's not pure milk. And that when just looking one, for the milk, the ink right. taste, is, right. uh, the, the questions it raises. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've got, uh, but 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 overall, we're dealing with whether or not we're talking about a a metaphor in toto, almost. You know, whether it's a milk uh, a milkstone. And inherently represents all all milks, uh, if if we like, or if we're dealing with, as you say, a uh, a take on the, the the monster hybridity thing. Of it is easiest for us to talk about this thing as this. So what kind of what what even is classification? What even is description? Right? 
to an extent, you know, uh, and, and, and you get what this... What is the sign and you, what is the signifier, you, you, Al? You get this a lot with archaeobotany and with, I guess, archaeolipidary. How dare you hybridize the well. sciences? I, I, I will freely do that. <laughs> Death to your separate department <laughs> plaque. It's all philosophy, anyway. Doors. Well, uh, history of philosophy, maybe. No, it's all, it's all love of wisdom, Al. <laughs> Wisdom of the past, or wisdom of the myth, or right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that's actually I don't actually defend that. <laughs> um, I love me some Sophia, though. Um, yeah, and that you, we, we get the same is 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 how do we how do we know we're talking about the same thing that again that our ancestors were holding and working with, and most of the time we have to we have to take it from context. Um, the Azov. For instance, yeah, that's right. exactly what, it up. What, what, which one's hyssop? I mean, definitely not the the Mediterranean hyssop. Uh, the the it might be called now the you know the distance between what we call hyssop and what was probably called hyssop then. Uh, but it, it, it you know it could be a Syrian oregano of some kind. A sweet what is called sweet marjoram. What the, people in the states call oregano. Right, 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 right. Oregano, or, Oriskanos, the, the the joy of the mountain. Right, uh, but um. So there are so many different points at which an intervention and a layer and a mediation of, of what it was, of what someone else calls a thing. There's this uh, refusal by these plants to be, to be classified almost, that they will, they'll, they'll escape from classification. Of, uh, that classification occurs in space uh, and in time, right? That you go to a place and what they call uh, oregano is what someone else is going to, a pronounce differently. Yeah. B say, well, it looks like a marjoram to me. Uh, then, then you're into the realm of like, okay, we have lots of different kinds of marjoram. We have sweet yeah. marjoram, pot marjoram, wild marjoram, and thus God bless Linnaeus and this idea of an objective classification. Right, right, right. It also plays heavily into Adamic naming mm-hmm. of giving something a name because if we don't label the things, it is one thing. Yeah. That's a thinging here. Make <laughs> get rid of this horrible pronoun. Um, it is the universal word. I've thinged the thing. It's a hook. Yes, it's a hook. It's a crotch. <laughs> uh, personal references aside, there is something interesting about the idea of someone naming things objectively, as Adam is said to have done, mm. mythologically. Right. Um, this hearkening back, which we have discussed briefly, because as as magical people, magically inclined or magically plagued people um, that is the, the the kind of traditional witchcraft thing of the curse and the cunning and the blessing these are are the the, the fruits the clothes the stains the mm. the medicines that we wear they are all at once the magic is um, a difficult and easy and wonderful and terrifying uh, all at once mm. um, the opportunity exists for all these things anyway as Magicians, as sorcerers, as witches, whatever we may call ourselves, as carcists. <laughs> um, let's unpack that at a later time. The magical worldview that allows for the worker to read a psalm and hold hyssop in their hand, and by virtue of it being named hyssop, without it being the historical hyssop, have it be hyssop, the original, because it is now being filled with the label of language, which is recognized in some form in most philosophies of magic. The 
power of the tongue, mm-hmm. the power of naming, and the power of substitution as well. Yes, you know, it, 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 not my hand that does this thing, but the hand of God or the hand of which a invokes even spirit. dead magicians, right? The authority of, right. of I beseech the authority right. of Solomon, which could be I descended from Solomon, so I am in some way tied to him. Mm-hmm. But it could also be I am now Solomon, right? In, in and in the case of the historical lacuna of uh, of Hyssop or, 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 or uh, uh, milkstone. We, we the substitution is already halfway halfway there. We yeah. didn't even do it. It's it's already called the same thing. Yeah, and you can acknowledge that it's not the same thing, but use it as the closest thing we have to it. Yes, right? and there is then the question gets raised by the skeptical mind, my skeptical mind, the dubious mind, mm-hmm. to to see the other side of like I see the virtue in taking the felt tip pen and saying I name thee dragon blood mm. and therefore it is dragon blood ink which is the beauty of fairy rules right <laughs> that that of course that is the are the spirits dumb or do they operate in that mentality because it's an idea where someone recently said something akin to colored water means the same thing as other things however without going into that side track um the offering of different substances. Sometimes it's the number of substances that's important rather than the substances themselves. Sometimes it is the substances themselves that you have an ancestor that says, where the hell's coffee the way I like it? Mm -hmm. Because you are appealing to that one spirit. Mm -hmm. But this idea of making specific the reasons why we're putting it down, even if it is not the same, but it allows for a quality assurance or a quality check of like, I know why I'm putting it down or I can state this is what I was told to do, passing the buck of this is what my initiator told me to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even in that way. It's a magical substitution of authority. Yeah. Um, and yeah. this is this is what I was told was milkstone. <laughs> and it is milkstone when the spirit comes and the spirit's like, that's not milkstone. You go, it is. <laughs> and I was told as such, you're like, it's not the right milkstone. You can always qualify it. Right, right, right. Um, and you can treat it as gaming the system, as attempting to work by the letter rather than the spirit. But you can also... I went a bit American there, spirit. Um, <laughs> but you can also see it as that's the that's the rules of, of the game and you're playing the game for the purpose of the... of the, of the unfolding of the, the work that you're engaged in, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that can be the, the performance. That can be the, the working, is, is to get in and around those things that it could be and playing by yeah, you know, that exactly what we're saying, that fey logic of, uh, of of naming, of correspondence, of substitution, of of all these principles of an occult cosmos's operation and organization. Attempted classification through it, it's there is something to be said of just understanding that a lot of this is semantics mm. um, and that most worldviews are responsible for explaining the same things through multiple lenses, which then have to defend their own worldviews. And therefore that is the segregation that really happens, not the actual exposition of, or labeling of things, um, which does cause divide, but not nearly as much as immediately the extrapolation of the scaffolding that's built off of that. Sure, sure, sure. Those we all te- start at the ground level observation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, those, those tectonic plates of, of different worldviews mashing against each other and, producing volcanoes and stuff but mm-hmm. that that move from the center to the periphery of like attempting to explain onto things and i think for me in my own personal this sorry for the broad concept things because i think but it's what inspires me mm-hmm. in even doing this type of podcast or 
listening to this type of talk between other people or ourselves, it's what I think about in the days after. Like, oh, it applies to this. Mm. You know, I am someone who creates rules that don't exist. It is how I operate in life. It is a default um, way of operating where I justify the events or what someone is telling me. They might not have an actual reason for what they're telling me, but I'll presume that they do. So I will box myself in in that rule that does not exist. I have now limited myself. Oh, I didn't know that was an option. So I didn't do it. And in some people's nature, it's the opposite. They assume there are no restrictions until they're told. Whereas I'm the opposite of like, oh, if, I'm, if I wasn't told I shouldn't do something, maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't even think about it. Uh, or, or if I should. Anyway, this idea of self-limitation that comes. Um, the exposing ourselves to different vantages, different viewpoints. Um, it's not just a heralding diversity point, but the idea of, again, a spirit that contradicts you and gives you differing advice to what you are saying is not proof, but a huge flag that your contact might be on point. Right. Um, that even friends that I agree with, I can disagree with their cho- word choice or like saying this is not the right time and complete agreement is ass licking, hmm. um, which I, is a pleasurable thing. But in the end, you know, moving on. Um, this is all about scat. My God, Jesse. Um, the idea that even in counting, I'm always fascinated with this and looking at kind of, uh, ethnomathematics, archaeomathematics is a huge interest of me, of my, of, of me, of mine, huge fascination for me in looking at counting cultures using the hand, the origins of base 10, base five, base 12. Does 16 come from, sw- from somewhere, uh, base uh, 70 base 60 if you're talking Sumerian and people, mm-hmm. you know this type of thing but looking at the the cultures that count by putting thumb and fingers on the hand to count the digit versus off the hand and the idea that when you show your hand to someone and you hold up one finger that not everyone sees the same thing and it's a very kind of moment right mm-hmm. of the hat is red the hat is black the hat is red the hat is black mm-hmm. and the hat is actually both mm-hmm. um, because of the way it's designed and our limited advantage allows for only one interpretation a hole is um, only two halves yeah <laughs> so um, the or the the glass is half empty the glass is half full it's full of air and liquid mm-hmm. asshole <laughs> um, it is not a vacuum or maybe it is um, there are more possibilities there are, there are more things of heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy mm. uh, paraphrase mm-hmm. um, apologies anyway long digression I, I it is what the inclusion of something like milkstone which is what is it mm-hmm. I know what dandelion is and yet other people might have perceptions of dandelion being something different but the majority of people will look at it as the little thing that makes the little fairy poofs that you can blow mm-hmm. and make seeds go everywhere and you know and or yellow weeds mm. that you can also find the greens and eat. Mm. And that is something I know who, if I say Bridget, then I clarify as a goddess or saint, but we can talk about the overlap between those things. If we say candle magic, I, I have an idea what magic is. I have an idea what candles are, but milkstone is the one that irks me in this one. Mm. Um, but I think it is bringing it up with dead magicians, Adam and Eve, Candlemas. And then that lacuna becomes a space that can be filled. Yes. Right? You, you, you move out of a, of a comfort zone of, of knowing where everything is and what everything is for, for other things to tell you what they are. And if I borrow the grow. Agatha metaphor, if I chop off the breast that was feeding my limitations, I am nourished by the same lack of rest. Hmm. Um, oh, Saint mysteries. I love them. <laughs> okay. So sorry. Uh, I've 
now always I can always appeal to your sense of historicity and philosophy of history. Um, so thank you. That's all right. That's something we wanted to talk about with this was uh, a wider issue of why look to historical uses when we're not even sure it's the same thing, uh-huh. which is a you know is a, is, is a great question. And I hope we've kind of approached some of the reasons. We've how, solved it. How and why. We've solved it. We've done it. Damn it, we've done it. Go home early. Yeah. Wet play day. Um, <laughs> there is an issue that I saw raised recently and, and, and had more time for it than I think I, I demonstrated, which was that this idea of uh, the earlier automatically being better, and we, we kind of raised this last time a little bit. Yeah. Which is... Make the wish great again. Yeah, and it's the, 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 the point is the automatically better, right? Uh, uh-huh. That, that uh, it's very easy, it, you know, it, it can be very easy to either unexaminedly... <laughs> dear. Uh, to, to enter in, in an unexamined way into a fetishization of... Uh, a nostalgic kind of principle or not even a directly nostalgic but a kind of mythically there was this golden age of, yeah. of the grimoires of, of whatever else and, and, and if we get back to that then we'll be doing it proper this this is often the criticism that is leveled at reconstructionists right um uh, usually by people who aren't reconstructionists fun, but you aren't fun, you aren't funnily enough yeah. exactly uh and i think that's that's great to say but i also think it's worth not throwing babies out with the nostalgia bathwater the the crucial issue being looking to our ancestors looks to a bunch of practices and people and approaches that operated within a very different world we can i hope uh, deconstruct or uh, reprogram ourselves to an extent to be uh, operating in a world of spirits uh, and for, for some of us that's the world we, we, we grow up in and, and, and to say that the whole of everything after the enlightenment was you know gutted and the, there's a you know it's a spiritual wasteland is, is I think uh, taking that a little far but I don't know personally for me like it's still an effort at times to uh, not fall back into a kind of crypto materialism Mm. Uh, and we can see it with the spiritual materialism of, you know, um, of, 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 of people in, insisting on that materials will do things for them rather than the specific virtue being conjured and worked with and worked through. The value of fetishizing otherness, mm. um, especially for the for outside traditions. Mm. You know, the, uh, of course, I'm filtering things in a very solipsistic way through my own practices of, of uh, a critique that if you look at Orisha practice in, in the States, which is majority-wise going to be a, an outgrowth of, of Cuban Orisha expression, um, and in South America will be connected in Brazil in some way, and there's still Trinidadian, but, and there's a lot of traditional Orisha religion now that is, is blossoming, but not on the level that the Lukumi practices are. Um, the use of a gourd to do everything, that we must have these hikaras, we must have these natural gourds, and that's what is sold as a certain way. And the necessity of people feeling, you're never told that you need it, mm. but you feel you need it because everybody uses them and they harken back to being primitive. 
the idea of the calabash, mm. this projection that we have that it is what was used. Something similar was used and holding the tool brings you closer. And yet going to traditional Orisha practitioners who will use what I am used to Chinese food coming in mm. and that a plastic container does the exact same job. But for me, I project, Oh, that's terrible. That's the, no, I don't like the aesthetic of it. And listening to people, it doesn't break. A gourd can break. This is, this is a gourd, but this is like super gourd. This gourd holds everything and it has a lid that fits it perfectly. Mm. How dare you think that this is not the right thing? You didn't pick that gourd off a tree. You, you know, you did things to it. To yeah. Make it and, and, and it has a specific, it's like the idea that resin or plastic don't have virtue. Mm. Um, and it's like, it has a trim. It's even if it's man-made, it might not have the same flow, which we can talk about the idea of mythic versus uh, chemical compound or whatever that is, mm-hmm. which does change things that, you know, just because something looks like it has sweetness in it and tastes like it doesn't mean it has sugar in your body. There are complications for both sides of it there that it mythically, it has sugar. <laughs> it has the illusion of sugar. It's called sweet. It is taste sweet. Mm. It's got fruity flavors, but it has no calories. Mm. I wonder sometimes about what the caloric, are we, are we, is it enough to have the sweetness or do we need the calories sometimes? And both times some things are true that mm. this need to make something fit our perceptions of what something is. Um, the value of, seeing a plastic container be used the way that a gourd was and the rules that I create. Uh, we must have the gourd. We must have the gourd. Right, right, right. No, you can use anything. There, there can be a great uh, liberation in, again, not not necessarily fetishizing using a plastic mm-hmm. uh, bowl rather than a gourd, but understanding that you could, right? Yes. And, 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 and I think the thing for, for, for me, and, you know, still having this, uh, this, this deep soft spot for, for chaos magic was not to deliberately try and replace things with, you know, plastics and, uh, and, and stuff from pop culture because that was iconoclastic or it, it was, it's, it's not a, it's not a blasphemy heresy thing. I don't think it's it, what, what, what genuinely felt liberating about it was, was realizing that I wasn't bound to particular things and being able to see, uh, you know, meaning in, you know, a weird little kinder egg, uh, toy or something that mm-hmm. that very simple kind of divination absolutely uh, but that without placing that as more important than the than a quote unquote traditional way of doing something right that yeah. it, and 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 finding the tradition of innovation in that in both of them as a continual kind of thing of working with what you have and if what you have is you know a city of of, of plastic things and throw away consumerism then try and find something useful and powerful in that that can nourish you or deplete you mm-hmm. yeah it's there's a lot to that and that's you know our <laughs> if we got diverted last time i've diverted us completely this time but um it is it's an important conversation to at least keep in mind the questioning mm. of what is necessary behind this specific task or right mm-hmm. um and this is not to erase the value of having the tool be at some point to to be able to use the tool as it is to if if a recipe calls for a certain thing sometimes there are no substitutes um sometimes it's an accept no substitutes rule that should be questioned um mm. it is in those innovations in the that happen when we lack something when you find your entire world upside down 
and you're, you feel like your gods have betrayed you and you're on foreign soil, whatever that is, how do you survive? How do you pick up what survives past that? Mm. The idea of uh, value centers in a society, looking at, at uh, the, the temples in Mexico to certain deities and the war gods were all abolished. No one kept the worship of the war gods up because Jesus was the war god now. Jesus conquered. But the rain god is still around mm. because everyone needs rain. And there's no real way to replace that need. So similarly in all this, anyway, um, Milkstone brought up a lot for me. Mm. So thank you for entertaining that. Oh, likewise. Likewise. Okay. Cludy Emerald, possibly, possibly other things. What are other, uh, what are other possibilities besides this for Milkstone? Well, if we resort to Lakuto. Uh, he also gives what are the names who does he consult for when he needs to he's kind of annoying in terms of like he gives the big bunch of different things that he's cited but he doesn't he doesn't specifically footnote each one so he just gives so there's a big list of names that it could be Anactitis Leucogia Leucographitis Synectes Lithargum Gabatite Galbanites Lithargus or Lethius Etc. Uh, Etc. Et and then at the end, he's like, "Oh, Pliny, Solon, Isidore of Sevilla, Aetius, Orpheus, Kerygma," and he gives like specific page and chapter references and things. But you don't know what they are until you get to it, kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, it's it would be one of my few, very few criticisms of the uh, editing and arrangement of uh, of this lapidary. I do enjoy that in English, specifically, the names of stones in this way. It is a common naming practice in, in European parlance, especially, of course, to name something for uh, what it does mm-hmm. or what it appears mm-hmm. as. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly our modern names are often derived from just older cultures, our, our etymological root languages of Latin and Greek, um, especially uh, providing alternate versions of a similar, this means stone from blood, or this means... It's a, de- it's a description. Yes. Right? It's, 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 it, it is not the only way to enable things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to be common for stones mm. uh, it, uh, very heavily. Plants have different naming things because there is the mythic device fits in much more heavily with plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but stones also just because they're hidden and it's very difficult to know what it is ahead of time anyway. I guess they, they have a slower... Uh, the behavioralism of stones in this geology is a lot slower and takes a lot longer to get at what the stone is doing and how it's reacting than an animal or a plant. Interesting. That is... Yes. Yes. Okay. If we're going to name things by what they do and how they behave, uh, and as well as how they affect other things. If I... A proposal. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know what Milkstone was, mm. what, what would you, in your wildest, most hallucinatory manner, or open to hallucinatory... So I, I'd never heard the term and then someone said, you know, there's a stone called Milkstone. And you exist in a fairy world. Okay. Meaning you could have the literalism, mm-hmm. you could have something else. What would you think it is, given your knowledge elsewise? Uh, I like the idea of a stone that like can be milked, right? Mm-hmm. Blood from a stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that would be cool, right? And you get that with the formation of... Which one is it? Tights. Stalactites. <laughs> C for ceiling. Oh, I do T, the long T, as huh. opposed to might with the two uh, ones. Ah. Uh, that, the, the M. The, a capital M's points are not universal either. Mm. Okay, so that's yeah. I wouldn't have considered the stone that can be milked. That's beautiful. 
I like that. I don't know why in my head, even though it's milk, I want it to be a stone that comes out of the tear duct. Hmm. Um, like a like a pearl hmm. that comes out of the human eye. Hmm. Uh, or that the third nipple produces, or something like that. The I, I want it to be a bezoar of some sort. Hmm. Uh, not found through when the animal is dead, but it comes out while it's alive. Oh, and, or a stone that's found in spoiled milk. And I've got all that, like, that, spontaneous generation from corruption stuff. Exactly. I, I think maybe it's tied into the fact of, like, uh, Spanish saint statues where the, or the Virgin Mary is crying tears. They will use shaped pearls. Mm. So I think that it is, the milkiness of it is in my head. There are statues that cry blood. Are there statues that cry milk as well? Yes. Yeah. And water. Yeah. So they're, they're all possible. Um, but milk certainly, and then the milk and blood together is, is of course very interesting. Uh, the, the semen and menses reference, um, yeah, which is not just to take, um, again because it's it's water and blood from Jesus' side, but it is not just to take uh, these very quintessential female nourishments uh, and make one of the male for balance. I, I don't mean that mm. in, in naming one semen, but uh, could easily just be breast milk, which is itself idealized and made white in a way that it is, it is not right. We do want, we, we do one or the other, right? Uh, those, those concepts of, um, wet nurses, uh, you know, being, uh, on a reprieve from their menstrual cycle, uh, and, and, and those ideas of, uh, of, of rarefied blood oh. as either milk or, or semen. Yeah. That's an interesting revelation. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you later about something. Hmm. And anyway, <laughs> the idea of, of, of certain shrines that use uh, a gourd to represent or are called breast, uh, which those shrines can't be served by menstruating women, uh, the idea that the, the blood drips down and feeds the other shrine. Uh, very interesting when it's you're on repeat for menstruation mm-hmm. while you're breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, the complex symbolism or the rules of, of protocol around something are, are in, actually encoded within the shrine right. setup as transmitted. Right. Um, and certainly it backs again that, that model of, you know, uh, all diseases, blood disease in a, uh, to an extent in a humoral model that everything is, 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 is blood or what blood does or what blood turns into. And, and, and what we what call milk carries. even is modified sweat. Oh yeah. The, the, well, certainly the, the nipple is a modified sweat gland. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is a strange, that which was salt and water, something else and I know that we don't necessarily have access to this in ancient times of like we wonder just like what what is giving the milk is it echidnas that don't have nipples they have like milk kind of glands <laughs> yeah. that like sweat milk yeah as a kind of like a- ambient kind of thing and the, and the, the, the young of... have to kind of snuffle around on the yeah. bare patches of milk yeah that looks pretty alien and echidna being the mother of monsters in Greek mythology is also <sighs> interesting there too Yes, there is no there is no direct nourishment. They must fend for themselves and find it by licking at her. I mean, I, obviously that's not the myth from Greek. No, no, no. But it's yeah. a it's a whatever you call it when one thing informs the other through past. Uh, <laughs> the future informs the past. Mm. Um, the association informs the original, and the Xerox informs the the masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, the photograph alters the original. I'll probably go back and edit whichever one of those sounds wittiest <laughs> or leave them all in now. Uh, okay. Milkstone. I am satisfied. Hmm. I don't know if anybody else is <laughs> going on from there. Cause there's a lot to talk about. Otherwise I wanted to ask you, cause I was having a conversation with 
my dear friend Phil the other day about the Which star Phil? as <laughs> many Phils don't know. They have, yeah, Al has many Phils and. I, I am never correct at guessing which one he is talking about. So he will have a conversation. You will have a conversation about someone with me that I'm imagining one Phil doing it and going, what the hell? That is not something. Oh, you mean that Phil. Anyway, I, I, I'll try and figure out my context. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, Phil English. Okay. As distinct from uh, several of the English Phils. Yes. Know, including a helpful. Phil who is in the States and called English Phil frequently. Wonderful. We were discussing the star and hope. And I like this notion of it as raw hope, as hope that doesn't have to or indeed actively resists a specific form of itself and that it's only through its associations with other cards as it falls and is read that we can get at what kind of hope this might mean. And that can look... That, that can feel like... You can look at it and be like, I don't really, in inverted commas and bunny ears in the air, get the star. Mm-hmm. I can talk about, uh, you know, a, a depth of the, 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 the symbolisms and even, you know, um, referring back to Uncle Al where he's basically just saying it's a bunch of things it's it's uh, it's our Newit stuff it's a it's a uh, Scarlet stuff it's a couple of other things as well it's the field uh, of stars as well and uh, you and again using Tarot to uh, explore uh, Thelema as he does rather than Thelema to explore well, the Tarot he says it's what Venus and Pisces I believe which what the star yeah but the star is uh, Jupiter and Aquarius or Venus and Pisces. How's that for good memory? Hmm. Um, you know, you memorize those things when you're young <laughs> and they serve you well because after a certain age, my God. Um, and zodiac wise, it's Aquarius. Right, right, right. Uh, but that's obviously what's looking at the card. Um, mm-hmm. Pouring that water and it makes sense of that um, airy sign that. It by name features water of, of the pouring the, the water of starlight through the air which I rather like or indeed that the stars are lactating perhaps that is star milk is, is definitely interesting the mm. nourishing of hope it is interesting because usually the hope card is biased towards the positive mm. of I mean hope itself is, is connotation wise implies right but it's coming from a distance. It's not. It's not immediately there. Again, it's not the birth. It's the it's the labour before the birth. It's going to travail through mm. through through space. And certainly, we've had fun of um, even the anatomy of the star card. That the rider weight is it's eight pointed stars, mm. and there's eight eight pointed stars, um, I believe. And talking about Bridget as seven and one, seven and one, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that it, it all tied in for us of like, oh, it's the proof that the mm-hmm. episode was choreographed correctly. <laughs> um, and uh, this is, we basically spend about 10 minutes talking about what we might talk about uh, just so that we can be on similar pages and not throw things at each other and go, no, this was more important. Why didn't we talk about this? <laughs> uh, but we do try and leave the majority of it for impromptu revelations. Mm. Uh, the star is of interest to me in the sense of Major arcana-wise, it feels more abstract than a lot of them because I associate stars with lawgivers, with um, the mechanics of the heavens, and that which is almost unknowable. It is the prima mobile sphere and all these other things. 
as far as the Beheni, we know that there may have been much more lore there, and now we don't have it. And we know that the, as far as the understanding of the universe, that the Mezla flows one way, and therefore fixed stars govern the planets, not the other way around, even though we can say that they are of the nature of certain planets. Um, Sadi is not the star, of course. <laughs> but this nature of... If the star's number is 17, 8 comes up there, right, through Pythagorean reductionism. 1 and 7, yeah. Um, It is an expansion of 7 in a kind of interpretation in that way, uh, because it's the great 7. Yeah, I also like the the kind of (laughs) self-insertion you can do that, uh, the same way you get with uh, the three magi, but 3 and 1 can be you. Yeah, you coming from one of the ways of the cro- of a four way crossroads, mm-hmm. and the other three being there as the, the the options. Also, the meeting points of them, mm-hmm. and you meeting as well. Yeah, that that you know, uh, you and me and the devil makes three. <laughs> and even the 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 difference in the the top star, it's a seven pointed star um, mm. in the sky. Um, which again, the question becomes. If you can always, this is the wonderful thing about mysteries, right? Uh, we can count her as the star, or that the, the if every man and woman is a star, following polemic logic, mm-hmm. that therefore she is a star as well. So it's still an eight expression of eight, but an expression of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and the swirling nature of the card itself, it, there's still such a huge emphasis on being an evolution of the temperance card, mm. um, and and that the angel, which is to be on earth must have fallen from heaven mm-hmm. or at least been sent down mm-hmm. downward. So there is, there is one is the cultivation of the alloy in the, in temperance. And one is the, uh-huh, the, the feeding of the land again. And interestingly with temperance, at least in the rider weight of it being Michael, most likely mm-hmm. that, or the intent seems to be Michael, that Michael is for us usually in Zivest, a solar angel. Mm-hmm. Um, an angel of extreme manifestation of Tiferetic energy mm-hmm. um, and uh, the sword of Michael and the dawn and all these things. Uh, the star is automatically a nocturnal card mm-hmm. um, because we don't acknowledge the sun as a star in our heads. Right. That, that, that when we say star, we mean something else that we have now given bias to our star, which is brighter mm-hmm. and dominates the others and slays the night, slays the other stars. It is mm-hmm. a, which interestingly, there are people that will take this meaning of the star as possible victory that, that hope allows for victory against odds mm-hmm. that there are more stars, but when your star is the sun, you will vanquish them. Um, and, and that side of it is it becomes an, a potentially huge violence that can happen there, mm. which is interesting in that sense of like, if it is in a Crowleyan way, uh, is it Chokma to Tiferet of, uh, mm-hmm. I know we said we wouldn't talk about paths because they shouldn't be fixed. But <laughs> if that is the uh, expression there, that the, the idea of going from this uh, Jupiterian, which would be Chesed, mm-hmm. Chokma to Tiferet in this, let me backtrack. Chokmata Tiferet is the zodiac usually. Yes, the fixed stars is is is, is attributed to Chokmah If we don't use those new jack planets, those Johnny Come Latelys, yeah, it's it's new the jack. it's the it's the zodiac and the sun. Like the, 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 the it is it is a relationship with the zodiac and the sun. 
Okay, good. Thank you for fixing that, which I will make myself not look so stupid at editing there. <laughs> um, okay, so we already have the, the, the field of the fixed stars on a traditional mm-hmm. model there, or you know, our, our limited um, Lurianic tributes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that it goes the fixed stars, the sun, it's the dawn, mm. it's the expansion. So it does, everything plays into this hope. Um, if we play it by context, which is both the older way of reading and the newer way, because we have been under the ages of layouts. And I mean layout ages in the sense of the shield, and it has given a lot of symbolism, added symbolism to card reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, but contextually, we have lost a lot of the mutability and yeah, it only, possibilities. It only gives you two things when, you, when you're like, okay, this is the card for, you know, if we're Celtic crossing, this is the, this is the card of uh, hope, this is the card of outcome, right? Which means you, there's only one layer of uh, interpretation in theory that you can, not interpretation, but uh, there's only one layer of a field from which we can interpret for the card, and, it narrows and, down the interpretation. And the, 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 yeah, the, inf- the influence, uh, be- the, the inference becomes: this card can be one thing, or it can be many. The many and the one again, but played out in this way of, of rather than the great gains to be from it, of like, well, it could mean anything, and it's only from the particular place that we put it down that it means anything, as opposed to reading as a, I don't know what the alternative would be called, like reading as a set, reading as a, a in, you know, in, in, uh, it's, in, in it's often referred to as open reading. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Now. Uh, where the cards... The original. Where the cards are informing each other. Yes. Right? And not just, they're all contributing to a thing in a uh, linear, um, uh, in parallel. Mm-hmm. They're all... They're all, they're all uh, uh, joined to a center interpretation of like here's what the first card means here's what the second card means but they don't uh, they don't talk to each other mm-hmm. they're they're uh, they're 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 separate nodes that they're, they're separate points that that meet in a node uh, of the middle whereas this is actually a web of meaning mm-hmm. uh, which is it, you know it's a term that's used a lot but like it's it it it, it weaves each thing into each other thing you know there's some interesting ideas that happen there in the kind of fever dream of my memory um, when computer programs for tarot first started being more available mm. and the idea that you could put an option that allowed all cards to appear in each part of the layout that part of the, the idea in tarot is that the cards have there's a, you're taking away from your inventory mm. so they can't be you can't have the star up here in all places right but there is an option to do that on a computer um, there's an option to do it in real life it's just expensive mm-hmm. um which is an interesting side of it that contextually this blows things out of the water too, that, that, that we are depleting our ability to express the other things because it's almost the kind of, um, uh, the inventory of demons that we all have, according to some models that, you know, if we get rid of all of these, you're going to run out of demons. There's always new demons that can be made. <laughs> um, let's not just say that, that, that because there are 72 in this particular paradigm, that there are, always only 72 that you know i love the the yorba interpretation by some of uh 400 and one it's seven and one for bridget and her sisters slash handmaids it is not eight Mm -hmm. um god is one but not in counting type (laughs) of mentality Mm -hmm. um that there is the plus one is the opportunity of adding one not just 401 gods right right and Um, and 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 again you have that notion of calling it the one to avoid limitations yes uh not not being any more specific than that i also like the notion of it being 400 and the one in front of you right now 
Yeah. Right? And again, we're back to a, a kind of like a polite monism uh-huh. slash love letter. Yeah. Or even putting the, the putting Eshu or Lewa as the one. Mm-hmm. That Eshu himself is always the one on both sides. Right. So that if there's 200 anti-gods and 400 gods or 200 anti-gods and 200 gods, mm-hmm. that the one is Eshu, who is on both sides. Both and neither. Which, friend know, to all, friend the, to none. Yeah. The... Tezcatlipoca, enemy on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, which means enemy to oneself as well, which is why it will always it will always end in tragedy if it is ideal. Mm. Um, mm. The, the treason betrays itself if it is true treason. Right, and movement is uh, has uh, you know the movement of of ashe or, or, or grace or virtue is mm. is is, is uh, amoral. You knew what I was when you picked me up, right? Uh, which the star provides an antidote against. Mm possibility which could be the dangerous side right that if i know that the rattlesnake is a poisonous animal and i'm like oh i hope it won't hurt me it's great um that is not the same as knowing it won't or that it can't or that i've defended myself against it Mm. the poison having an effect Mm. um so the hope can actually be a warning with which to the star can actually be a warning in Mm. that way Mm -hmm. that although it's usually interpreted um you know a lot of tarot likes to interpret things in uh kind of drive light and shadow is a very common way to look at things um and the shadow side of it being uh, illusions, uh, delusions of grandeur and ascriptions in this way, which mm. often is done by the moon cards similarly, but that's more fantasy than necessarily just illusions. Right. Um, but destructive hopes. Um, I hope that I'll be enough to get this person to change their abuse pattern. Um, I hope that I can help that, uh, is, is a shadow side, the light side being more creative hopes and, uh, what was it? Uh, optimism, even. Mm-hmm. Of always look on the brighter side, which can also be a destructive hope if it's <laughs> taken too far. Mm-hmm. Um, cynicism being a whole other alternative. Um, which Trump is cynicism? <laughs> oh, which Trump is cynicism? That's the, wow. Um, drive would be that it's the, it's the star of Bethlehem. It's the guiding light. It's the, the thing that guides us in, in that the love will lead the way. The new thing that yeah, it's the new star of, of, of Bethlehem as well that, that shows that the the cosmos has changed. Something is different now. Mm. Uh, the the old order has, is 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 in the process of of overturning. Mm. And the star is the indication of those. A new star is on the rise. Right, right, right. It changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the horizon and the the vault of the stars itself begins to uh, you know start having its contractions. And it's interesting too the the playing. If we're going to go back to just the the layouts, and I want to compare it into the stars, the astrological chart of like if I know this stars on the rise, I recognize it in the context of a constellation. But we, knowing what the stars are is very difficult. So we go to the wandering stars, the things that we can identify more easily. Mm-hmm. These seven wanderers in the sky by their to, movement, yeah, yeah, to to they're predictable by their chaotic. Uh, nature, mm-hmm. the things that are more fixed and definitely predictable on a yearly cycle are far too broad for us to just interpret in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fixed to seasonal lore mm-hmm. as opposed to the planets themselves, which then give us more information astrologically. And similarly with the star and with tarot in general or card reading, there exists another possibility, which is to apply kind of the Lenormand, the Normand. Yeah. I wanted uh, to ask about that. Does Lotteria have a star as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not in all sets, but in the standard set, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... Uh, actually, is that true? You might have to ask that question again in 30 seconds, Al. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, I believe that this there is a divination meaning for it. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is. Because I can see the badge that has the star. Oh, my Jesus. Um, is everyone's Jesus now? Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I can say, yeah, yes, it does. The standard set um, is the standard set has number thirty-five is the star, uh, and I believe the Lagueros Marineros, the, the guide of sailors, mm. the guide of the thing that steers. So it is the a reference to the North Star, and there's other things. Um, there is a play on it in some interpretations, being the sextant um, is oh. the thing, the tool that you use, and it can be. Um, there's all this weird, lovely kind of punk turn of the 20th century stuff going on. I know that's a weird thing, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, counterculture of the star being perhaps an orifice and the sextant being the tool used to get to it, which curiously in English at least has the sex part of mm-hmm. it intact. And um, also se- sextons as yeah. well, the, yeah. the, those who, uh, the laity who look after the dead. So there's, it's an interesting metaphor in, 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 in kind of border or at least uh, bilingual or cultural culture. Um, uh, okay. Which should not cultural culture. Um, but, anyway, I'll edit that out. Uh, so, if you take the Lenormand approach, mm-hmm. the Normand is actually how I say it, but someone just critiqued me and said I should say Lenormand, and now I have like four pronunciations in my head at all times. In the Lenormand approach of houses that I have had great fun and had seen other people do it where there are, you can do major arcana houses and therefore put the major arcana just into themselves or all of the cards. So you can get the three of swords in the house of the star. You can get the, um, fool in the house of the star. And therefore the star, that house is being interpreted as a greater, the greater container for that card to express itself. So that in the area of hope in one's life, which is, very much based in the Norman house system, mm-hmm. but it does provide a new insight that is not limited to this card can only mean these things because it's still a layout, mm-hmm. but it is a very different thing. So in the same way that the Zodiac in this way, the stars are all there in the wheel of the Zodiac and the planets are all there, but the location changes and mm. we use static houses and definitions of how to do it as to how to interpret it. Mm. And similarly, what is the house of the star? possibilities in tarot or even in Lenormand because there's the star card in Lenormand um, where it can mean plentitude it can mean divine help it Mm -hmm. can mean guidance it can mean many things Mm -hmm. outside of just strict hope or wishes Mm -hmm. Um, there are different schools of thought with Lenormand Mm -hmm. with that Um, I do like the idea of many um, or uh, it comes up in for many people as a signifier of fame Mm. Um, All right, yeah, stardom. Yeah, stardom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that which shines and guides. And the, even the Hollywood Walk of Fame, it has been of uh, where is this person uh, right now mm. in a quick reading. And then, yes, they were literally on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in front of the Chinese <laughs> theater. And so you get Lenormand's kind of literalism that it has. And I know we just we both just went to uh, Jason Miller's tarot uh, talk mm-hmm. at Catland, uh, which, you know, he brings up the point that tarot was at one time more than likely read similar to the way that Lenormand is read, mm. um, that through context, open reading and, and, and proximity to things and drawing three cards. And you don't know whether it's forwards or backwards and you have to make that decision. Who's the prominent card based on visuals. Mm. Uh, I do think that there is something, I mean, we have absolutely expanded tarot to be very psychological following the kind of great symbolism and psychological, uh, um, revolution that happened around the same time mm. in the turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but, there is something different about the literalism that is is espoused to tarot now. Right, it's not the same as Lenormand. Right, there right. Is- and we've had a there's an admixture of these again, not to do a dualism, but there is an uh, you know uh, there is cross pollination of tarot as mystic 
or, or a tool of the mystic for contemplation of, of, of mysteries and oneself and the divine and tarot as tool uh, of, 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 the, of the fortune teller mm-hmm. and, and all of, you know, uh, cranky Arthur Waite's, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, remonstrances and against that well, kind of thing. The, the tarot manuals of that time period, well, if you must use them for divination, here's a divinatory practice. <laughs> and it's all of four pages. Right. Um, or the idea that that's the minor arcana are for. Mm. That the, the, the tarot, as we know it, is a mixture of two systems. That the minor arcana deals with the pragmatism. The, and the quotidian. Right, right. And that a lot of old tarot did just do the, tr- the majors, the, mm-hmm. the, the major arcana, the, the big daddy trumps. Right. Um, and there's also a certain historical politic to that of these are given to, you know, rich courts. And of course, you know, when we you deal and you speak of, of kings and emperors and things, then it's it's very nice to know that ships you're at the ships and right. sailing wax. Yeah, you're at the top of the uh, uh, of cabbages and kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that you that you are at the top of the, you know, a, a kingship as a. Or, or royalty or, or aristocracy as, as as having some kind of moral nosology and also a a, a status as uh, not just divinely but natural right that that you exist on this in the, supposedly in this highway so it makes sense that you would flatter these uh, patrons mm-hmm. uh, who are going to you know uh, hopefully keep you in cardstock and paints uh, to mm. to be doing. Uh, to be saying, well, yes, of course, you you deal with the the cosmic and the 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 minor arcana deal with merely the the everyday. Um, so there's that there's that distinction. But I think the star is an interesting one in terms of it can you can you can very easily veer off like stars, the multitude of of of, of the, the 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 host of the heavens and all that kind of thing. You can you can go very mystic with that. But also, what is one of the prime things that you are attempting? to seek when you when you go for like fortune telling it's 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 a hope for things right mm-hmm. it's a it's not necessarily entirely confirming what you already wanted to do mm-hmm. hopefully uh, the, the hope is an important part of of our perception of time and and our and uh, and choice and decisions what were you saying <laughs> the, the star is an interesting mixture of the uh, or, or potentially represents an interesting place of overlap between the or serves with both hands shall we say pours out a cup for both the mystic and the reflection on the divine uh, and also the, the tangible and when you go for a reading that, that you are hoping for something yeah, and, and or at least the, the, the hope says something about time hope as a passion for instance requires uh, imagination and requires projection into into uh, into time into the future if uh, something is good and present that mm-hmm. that what one feels about it is mainly couched as pleasure or or even love right if if it's unpleasant and present then it's uh, it's hateful or it's uh, or it's a pain right if it's in the fu- if it's to come and not there then you, you you can't be delighted about something that isn't there you can be delighted about your projection about it but what you deal with is not it, right? So hope, hope requires imagination. Is the subway thing I was okay. going to mention? And, and okay, in New York City, anyone familiar with this? I don't know if it happens in other mass transit cities. I imagine because it happened in London when I saw it there too. There is the platform stander, who it does not change the train's speed or arrival time to constantly look down the tunnel for the train. <laughs> In fact, sometimes it can be more frustrating because you see the frickin' headlights on the train and it's stopped. 
That's frustrating. <laughs> but there is the thing that when someone keeps on looking down, and some people do it every few seconds and get annoyed when someone, and you see the, the parade of like the heads going lower to the left because you, you want to make sure that you can see. It doesn't matter that they're going to move in 30 seconds. Now they're obstructing your ability to see if there's anything there. Looking into the dark tunnel for the hope of train light. It is the star in the dark night <laughs> of, of this type of thing. Of, ah, I see it. It's so tiny. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger towards you. But as soon as you see the lights, they take a step back. They'll let other people look for it. It is this consistent behavior of, as long as I know it's coming. <laughs> I saw it coming. I saw a sign in the stars. <laughs> It's, it's a really interesting behavior, and I know the satisfaction of it, and I know the, the active work against it of, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm going to read my book, because <laughs> I'm going to know when the train comes. Right. Um, but it's weird, because it's a grounding in, it allows for me to be more patient if I know the train is there. Even if it's stuck, I'll be like, is it still there? Did I miss it? Did I see? Is the star still showing me that it's coming? Right. Um, so it, it's, the, it's the watch pot that doesn't boil. Yeah. Mm. But so it, it's just an interesting thing that it doesn't actually change anything, but it gives you hope. Mm. So, you know, I, on a larger scale, I would add, totally add that to it of hope must have a seed. It doesn't just come out of nothing. Mm. Um, and we can always find it, but it must be spun to our advantage. And there is this this quality with the star as a card that it is gentle even in its negativity. Hmm. That it, it provides a warning more than, than... Because hope itself is merely a possibility hmm. of something, that the negative side of it is still just a possibility. Hmm. And that kind of... Uh, non-committal <laughs> to to either, but a preference for the better mm. is is interesting. That yeah. an ill-fated star allows you something to fight against, um, and in so much that it's like um, uh, it's proofreading. If I want, like it, it is, there is a little bit of of copy editing and proofreading with this thing mm. of going over the thing over and over this kind of pouring and let's the temperance there of what happens and then being able to shed light upon something and it is not the same light as strong as the moon or the sun but it does shed light and it is light from many sources a silvery outline of something approaching from a distance and certainly it is a card that many associate with astral travel Mm. Um, the the astral body itself being the starry body Mm -hmm. there is something to that um yeah but so I, I think it's interesting because it can signify on another level intuition mm. not just hope mm. uh, that something is off because in the greater context of things everything's okay majority of the sky is okay but that star is angry um that star is ill-fated right now mm. there's a there's a bad conjunction mm. so it colors the rest of it so it's it's funny because it's similar to how it is exactly how astrology works. The rest of the sky can be great, but if frickin' Saturn is doing something stupid, it's not a good election. Mm-hmm. So it's it's mainly about trying to get everything as normal as possible first to allow for the benefic or the desired effect. And the discussion, that's a whole other topic with astrologers, much more astute than my uh, dilettantism in that area. But the idea of strong negative elections of getting what you want and can you do the the shadow election 
of things and and oh creating curse tablets yes. creating things that are a curse talismans right. and there is a philosophy behind it which always contradicts all the philosophies that someone else has said <laughs> that like you know you do greater you do better to, to find the uh, a positive election for the opposite effect of what you want hmm. than to try and capture the bad moment because everything is fated against you in the bad moment so it's it's just an interesting philosophy of magic side of how do you go about something do you um prepare the 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 antidote as a weapon mm-hmm. or do you do you febrifuge it and give it more right you know do, do you, you try s- do you try and uh, uh ennoble its governance yeah ennoble its governance yes okay so i think the star is pretty much as far as agenda items mm-hmm. except the star hope what you hope something would happen fallen hope does tie into Lucifer, mm-hmm. the fallen star. Which mm-hmm. is, he, the idea that the stars are angels and they fall to earth is always a common motif. Mm-hmm. The idea that meteorites are tied to this um, should be said. Mm. Uh, the star in Lucifer's head, the milkstone mm-hmm. being a possible emerald in the crown, all of these things. I like the, the combination of a Promethean thing of... Uh, you know, a divine being that ha- has a, a particular interest in humans rather than simply this war in the heavens of a bunch of different forces fighting above us with no regard for us. I, I, I kind of, I've been, yeah, I think of the the end of uh, the first series of True Detective. I don't want to spoil for anyone, mm. but this notion that um, there used to be nothing but darkness and now there are pinpricks of light, mm. which looks like the light's winning over the time star. right so so it has that that hope element but also this 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 grand uh, cosmic narrative of a of a war of the light against the dark which looks to be some of the oldest form of uh what, what ends up being contemporary demonology mm-hmm. um which is interesting and the idea of if that's the case that a star that falls and a star that comes and brings its fire to people mm-hmm. right that's that's not just a war being fought on our behalf between the the shadows and the Vorlons, that's <laughs> that's uh, it's actually like directly involving us. It's interesting. You bring up the concept of movement actually being important, more important than station. Hmm. That movement away from something or movement towards something satisfies our knowledge as to the future, hmm. and we need the future to be stable. That the, the the idea of pleasure or um, satiation is also about the future are, are the constancy of the current moment. Hmm. Um, and that it is more hopeful, uh, if someone makes a decision, whether it's personal or political or whatever it is, that is on the extreme, but then shows a movement away from that thing. There's hope. Hmm. It's okay. We're moving away from that thing. Hmm. Moving away from the danger is moving away from the danger. Even if we're still in a place of extreme danger, because yeah. they're just put so far out in that way. Right. So it's interesting in the political machinations because we talk about stars and the justification of social hierarchy and the study of astrology being developed in, in Mesopotamia and justifying the idea of higher and lesser gods which then justifies aristocracy over peasantry right. and this whole type of thing. But the idea of movement away from something, the, the idea of blackness going to pinpricks of light shows that there's more light now. And that gives us hope. It's hopeful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that in the sense of 
what if those, what if light's worse? You know, what if those are, <laughs> what if those are aliens? It's the, it's the presumption that the aliens mean us good. Mm. Um, and uh, when you look at the history of world exploration, how many times did exploration actually end up in anything good for the people who were discovered? Um, mm. it, it is part of the history of conquest. Uh, that At is, least by humans. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's presumptive to say that perhaps all aliens think the same way, but it's that there is that, and that philosophy of, mm. Why do we assume that they would be different from us? Yeah. We don't do that at any other time. But here we're hoping mm. that when aliens come, they will be good and take care of us and bring us up to speed with their technologies. Uh, that's some that's some that's some blind hope right there. Um, <laughs> but it does and tie in, and we're blinded by light. You're not blinded by darkness, and blinded by our own paradigm, as discussed before, mm. our own bias. The train in the reality tunnel. Yeah. God. Dear God. But this measurement of movement is interesting. That we will forgive someone for their station if there is movement away. That it is not enough to be forgived for the sin. Mm. But the most important thing is the desire to not sin again. Mm. To make the the sin not happen again. Yeah, look like it. And when when you have that deliberate overshooting in order so you can, you know, you go in 130% on something and then backtrack 30% so I'm still 100% behind it yeah it, does that still count as, as backtracking does it still count as compromise especially when it's strategy right um, and the appearance maybe the appearance of the thing is we're, here we're going back into philosophy of magic right the appearance and mythological mythological place of the thing mm-hmm. is perhaps in reality more important than the reality of the thing in reality <laughs> it's a hook it's a crutch it's a hook it's a crutch it's a garabato garabato uh, so yeah okay Fuck me, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> even in, in looking at Lucifer and the idea of mankind mm. and the assistance in this way of, of St. George and uh, uh, St. Elias and these other figures that return of Arthur, mm-hmm. of, of uh, the green man of, of Al-Khadir, mm. this idea of circulating it and bringing people close to the Bodhisattva mm-hmm. mentality, which is ultimately a selfish mentality, but is in the context of something greater. So it's movement away from selfishness puts you back towards being complete in the self. Um, by, you mm-hmm. know, if you, once you realize you are everything, you need everything to come join you. Right. Uh, so, but it also increases Benefit everything and, of yeah. which I am a part. Yes. Yeah. Um, once I piss on everything, then <laughs> I am not longer pissed on. Um, <laughs> sorry for reducing it to that. Uh, something else but you just say it next time don't have to say it all this time um yeah if we're to speak of uh the delivery of of of, of starfire to people yeah uh to, to bring it down what we get from them then we're also we do that is a way into that is a little door i can see into to speaking about sephirazio and and circling back to first man and first first woman and, and first magicians things because Right off the bat, we can say we accept mythologically the value of saying that Adam was handed this book of magic. Right. Um, but it would be also, there is an assumption that can probably be made about the two of us that being where we are in time, education, and culture, that we are not foregoing the idea of evolution and right. or, or stating that the creation story is laid down as and laid down in Genesis is the truth 
Right, literalism and this kind of thing is a, is a, is a new fundamentalism. Very and new. can we, even if we mourn the past here, of talking of hearkening to the past, that there is this nostalgia for when the blue pill and the red pill were the same, <laughs> and that we could fully believe historically, ge- geographically, that hell was a place that you might wander into in the middle of the woods by mm. accident, mm. and that heaven was a place, and that you were going to go one place or the other, mm. and that Adam and Eve were your ancestors mm. and the difference now of like the revelation, I think it was seven or eight when it happened that if it was all true that we descended from Adam and Eve, that that's grandpa and grandma on some level and thinking about trying to replace that. If my grandparents were the first people and all that in my head of like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is the garden and this is the farm and this is that it's a very different thing to say, Oh yeah, they're my ancestors to physically putting them in there. And the, the idea of, um, especially prominent, emphasized in, in Judaism of being able to recite back to Adam mm-hmm. um, is, is a huge, huge thing. And even the idea of apostolic succession puts you, it, it actually puts you on the map of being and touching Jesus. Mm-hmm. It somehow makes the distant past more common and, mm-hmm. and how we forget that in Western culture, that genealogy is forgotten. There's mm-hmm. no one that could go back that far unless we make it up. Mm-hmm. Um, At some point, yeah. I don't know, you know, like I would like to see I'm sure it exists, but it starts to do like a holy blood, holy grail thing of let's all go back to justifying kingship through being descended from right. Sarah and ultimately from Jesus and therefore from Adam and Eve and the authority mm-hmm. of God. Well, what's interesting when we get to that looking for the, 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 the mythic lineage is we, you know, we end up doing a fairly material history and archaeology of, okay, who are the people that had the serpent staff thing, right? We, we end up getting to these, you know, physical representations of a bunch of uh, spiritual identities, uh, concepts, and approaches, right? Mm-hmm. That, but that's, that's, that's how we do it, right? Grave goods, you know? Uh, what, are people, what are people buried with? Uh, the the archaeology is, is always an archaeology of death. But, uh, and, and not, not in a morbid way necessarily, but what, what, how we get at that is through these these scattered things where we we don't know for sure if they were worshipping the same kind of snake thing but that's a snake thing and as we push back as we peel back the the layers of early people it looks like it's snakes all the way down uh sometimes at least maybe that says more about my confirmation bias i also think there's an interesting thing about the the lineage of books as well and the and the lineage of Mm. of of books that have that bear certain mantles right so Ratzel is a great example of this. We know the the, the main text that we call Sefer Ratzel now that will turn up in a bunch of like sixth and seventh books of Moses later in in hoodoo shops and things like that is a is a sixteenth century English text, right? But uh, you know, Sophie Page uh, points out that we've had references to a book delivered by the angel Ratzel since at least the eleventh century. And actually, that's one of the things, one of the many things that gets called the uh, Secretum Secretorum, right? The Secret of Secrets. Uh, that's uh, a Latin text uh, attributed to uh, uh, someone uh, uh, whose, whose name escapes me. Um, damn it, I was looking and at And ultimately that. attributed to Ratio. Right, ultimately attributed or to Ratio. So it's not a set text, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of different texts that bounce around from the, the 11th century right up to the, the 16th. Uh, a different bunch of them that are all called that thing. That appeal to the authority of the mythic. Uh, monolith that is that mm-hmm. which we've talked about with mm-hmm. you know the way that I was taught as a child and, and in training that the, the Cipriano is not a physical book mm-hmm. it is a dream book mm-hmm. that contains all magic and mm-hmm. therefore all magic books are Cipriano's in the same way that 
Agrippa becomes a word for magic book. Mm-hmm. There are many Agrippas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's because of the prevalence of that thing. So here is another one that Solomonic literature mm-hmm. invokes the authority of King Solomon. Cyprianic literature invokes the authority of Cyprian being a magician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here... And this, this line of texts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ratzel, who, whose name is, is, is Angel of Mysteries, or, or, or sometimes translated as Keeper of Secrets. So again, you have like this kind of attempt at constructing, at treating your text like the Ur-text, which is what appeals, like the, the idea of approaching, and while you're in front of, of that God, being like, you, to me now, are everything. You know, the, you, you know there's the, the divine lover and the divine seduction. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly powerful just to break it down of, this is the first book. Mm-hmm. This is the book. This is was given to the man who named everything. This is the one who knew God intimately and had the his companion pulled out of him. Mm. So, what more does that man need, magic-wise? Right, and 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 that's what a large part of the the, the, the magic in there is. It's lists of names of things, the names of the hours, the names of the days, the names of the uh, the the the. the, the the angels of things as well. So we have the, you know, uh, the, the multitude and the one again. I have this kind of, because I know this has been talked about with, with Seferetzio, that it is not so much a book for Adam, but a book knowing that his descendants will need it. And that is an interesting side. It's the, um, <laughs> the Assassin's Creed storyline loop of, um, the God delivers a message that is not for me, but for the person who is witnessing the message in, re- in, in the future. <laughs> That right. someone is now time traveling back in time and watching me mm-hmm. go through this, mm-hmm. and I am not the pl- I am not the star. Mm-hmm. I am a pawn in that person's perception of what needs to happen in the future. That the idea of the book mm-hmm. is not first off. Could he read? Um, so there's that side of it, and all those like practical considerations. But I've heard the arguments. Oh um, yeah, he, he totally can uh, because he reads the, uh, the the language of nature in in every you know marking of every leaf of and, and every bark. That's that's another thing. He comes preloaded. Or he teaches himself to read because he's already spoken the names of things Mm -hmm. and therefore knows the natural, that's natural language for he knows the shape of things by the thing. So like... The idea that if you look through a microscope, you will see Hebrew letters, (laughs) like atoms, putting things together. Yeah. It's also canon. Uh, There are takes on um, texts of Ratzel bearing that mantle of, of being delivered by the angel that are delivered to Seth. Uh, as well as Adam, but it, it seems Adam is the more the more popular one. And yeah, it's at the very least a how to survive in the woods uh, for once you've been ejected from Eden. But more to the point, it's it's a thing to to hand on to your descendants, and you can tell that from the the stuff that I'm kind of most interested in, which is the the semaphores, which should be distinguished from anything to do with Shem Hamefresh. The, the the word roots might be the same, but ultimately, what at least the 16th century English. Seferatio or Liber Salomonis, interestingly, ends up calling the semaphores are a set of um, vocus magicae that again look like names, uh, very specific uh, spirits of doing things. Mm. Uh, seven for, for, for Adam and uh, seven for uh, Moses. And they are particular things that they said at particular times that produced effects that can then be used to do a bunch of other things. So inherently there is a looking back because Adam has already said these things, right? Uh, Moses has already said these things, unless it doesn't read as, it, it, you know, it isn't Adam's book that he writes. It is a book of things you will say. Almost. So it's like a prophecy for him as well, but it's clearly for descendants. 
And since he named everything <laughs> and created language to that effect, mm-hmm. or at least was the original participate co-creator of language, right. um, as we know it, in that way, it fulfills your self-fulfilling prophet line. Mm-hmm. That there is, if you're handed the book that tells you what to say at the right time so that you can learn to say what you need to say at the right time, mm-hmm. it invokes the dead magicians of the excellent book of the art of magic of scrying to see yourself scrying with the addition, the aid of dead magicians mm-hmm. teaching you how to scry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then coming back and using that knowledge to help you scry to see the dead magicians teaching you how mm-hmm. to scry better. Bootstrapping yourself via the time travel of, 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 of a show Which creates the time loop mm-hmm. aforementioned as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Ah, mm-hmm. and now I hear nothing but uh, Star Trek in my head. <laughs> well, the extra the, loop. the extra time loops uh, are interesting as well when we get to some of the specifics that look like things that are attributed to Adam. Like, you know, this is what Adam said to speak to the angels on the first day. This is what he said to speak to the plants. This is what he said to speak to the four winds. And one of them is what he said to speak to uh, demons and the dead, right? Who are the dead in Eden? <laughs> like, even on the way out. The right? two other Eves. There we go. Well, at least one of them. Okay, so we've got, <laughs> so we've got that as an option. And then we're also back to those three dots above the first yes. uh, uh, letter, right, mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible, which by some uh, heresy acts suggests that there were... Even Midrashic, yeah, that, that, that there were other worlds before ours. Mm-hmm. That we got the third time round, mm-hmm. which is... There is an argument if we want to look through the medical medical whoa if we want to look through the history and context of things taking them out of the authority of mythic history and putting them in context of history mm-hmm. that Kabbalah of course does not arise in ancient times that it is a medieval expression of and an influence of, it's an inheritance of Alexandrian thought and that alchemy and Kabbalah are describing the same thing in many schools. But again, like all archaeology, you can make suppositions, but until there's material evidence that refutes the other options, um, which is sometimes the easier way. Prove the other things don't exist can sometimes be the way um, to leave your option open, even if you don't have proof for yours. (laughs) Um, But that is interesting, too, that around the same time period you get the Seferetzial first appearing in, Mm -hmm. in print. Um, and this is not for lack of language, mm. um, and it is not for lack of survival of ancient texts to that point, or ancient texts being cherished, especially by Islam mm. and the hoarding of knowledge to our benefit later. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. I will always pr- push the Islamic Spanish seeds of the Renaissance that that as far as literature and, and access to ancient knowledge is as important as the artistic revolutions that happened in Italy. Sure. But, sure. And that, all of those, you know, what even as a Renaissance to a, an Italian peasant kind of stuff, did people know they were renaissancing while they were doing it? Um, yeah. Those kinds of valuable questions about how, what's, what's the actual, uh, impact cross class worms, worms, is, 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 is. worms, Council thereof? No. Eliezer? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the compiler. Hmm. I'm hearing an old podcast in my head talking about the Sephiroth seal from like eight years ago, and my brain is playing it back as we're talking. Of, uh, Yeah, sorry. That was just my... Okay. Go on. Why? Why is this book 
interesting. Does it display similar magics to its contextual, to its co- contemporaries? Contemporaries. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's generally uh, talked of as uh, as being quite a, a standard text. It gives you know the standard um, suffumigation recipes, uh, the standard savers for each planet. Uh, it's it's a very um, it's a it's a reference text for for, for magicians. Uh, you know, lists of of the names of the hours. You know, you're not going to read all of those off in one go. You're just going to need that particular hour, right? But they're all there, so it's yeah. yeah. I, I I could see it being talked about as a as a reference text. And the time loop is interesting because there is the relationship, as we talked about, in the overshadowing of Mary and the the new Eve and these types of things mm-hmm. that, that Abraham becomes the new Adam mm-hmm. within the context of Retzio. Right. That through the needs of what Abraham was going to be, um, Retzio returns to teach Abraham and kind of renew and vivify the spiritual practice, hmm. which then you have a book again going back in time. He's going back in time and the book preserves what Adam said so was he instructed on how to say it or was it, you know, was, was it was the Abrahamic version of it that then cataloged it? Was the book updated or did, was Adam given a script as to what to say at the right time to ensure the rule of the world? And interestingly going on that, uh, I don't know why it's, I'm even associating it with a star, but maybe it's because hmm. of the one in seven mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Heptameron is based heavily upon Sepharetzio, is it not? There's certainly a bunch... I mean, yeah, they're using the same... Uh, let's say they're using the same correspondences and whatnot. Uh, some of the speeches are more from the exorcist manuals, uh, some of the, the particular exorcisms, and the conjurations are from there rather than from uh, Retzio. But, yeah, clearly it's it's it's, it's related. It's, it's, it's drawing from a common corpus of practice, certainly. The original... Uh, the the Dubano heptameron. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any other? Of course there is, but that mm-hmm. is what I mean. Yes. The Cyprian one. Um, For a start. And several modern ones. Yeah, and, and some of uh, Ratzio's stuff is, is based around, like, you know, uh, when it's describing itself uh, in, in, in the first chapter, it makes a big deal about how, you know, it was found in seven books of seven treatises uh, and, and, and lists them off like that. Uh, in that way. It is, I mean, it's notorious, the book. Is it not? Like, it's condemned very highly on at least one or two lists of bad books. Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, I think you that's a fascinating aspect of the more like, the, the higher up you go, and, you know, there is talk that Ratzel is is Metatron, Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in some uh, heresies. The so higher up... Is Metatron before the Enoch becomes Metatron? <laughs> the heavenly body of Enoch? <laughs> we all live lives in heaven before coming down and we're all angels, yeah. which is why you get your wings when you die. You go yeah. back. Oh, this is some heresy. <laughs> um, but the higher up we go, the more powerful it is and thus the more uh, challenging it is to uh, extant church authority. I think is the, the easy way of putting it. And again, that's because I like to really put Ratzel front and centre uh, in, 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 in terms of it. Any defascinations with Ratzel? 
The things that I really don't like about it? No, uh, D. Oh, 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 John D. Right. John D. Sorry, not not D. Fascinating. <laughs> the concept of making English something less, <laughs> less fascinating. Um, <laughs> De fascinatio in the Latin, I believe. Mm. No, uh, is are there because Doctor D. Yes, Doctor D. I I don't know off the top of my head. I just know that you are more versed in this than I am. Uh, but the obsession of Retzio being about the speech, the angel of speech, the angel angel of transmission of this. Certainly, I, I, I wish to be a partaker in the in the mysteries of the highest. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's an interesting point about um, one of my things that I like to rant slightly about is that <laughs> D D is exceptional, but he is not an exception. Right. He's very good at what he does. I I I, I don't want to uh, do that typical kind of. Well, you know, he can't be that special. You know, you know, someone convinced him to let him sleep with his wife like this kind of uh, dismissal right I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that what I am saying is that there is more that places D in common with a lot of magical practitioners of his time and slightly before than there is whole cloth uh, either depending on whether you believe he received things or or, or made them up or, or Kelly uh, made them up or wasn't testing their, their, you know, unconfirmed personal gnosis sufficiently. He starts with Michael, right? The first thing you do is you get a stone and you get a good prayer and you, you, preferably to an angel, preferably an important one, and you pray until they turn up. And then when he does, he gives him a, a ring, which also connects him to, if not specifically the ring of Solomon, Pele, that, that which works wonders. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're, you're giving like the same kinds of tools. You're, doing it in the same kind of way and it is Michael that then allows all these other guys to start turning up and actually warns him that he there's you know and the second time he turns up I think going through the five books it's been a while that there's a horrific thing that he has to deal with there's a dark presence that's causing his children mm-hmm. great harm uh, and this this freaks him out greatly uh, but I don't want my palm red it's <laughs> right <laughs> Put your hand in the box. Uh, it's it's yeah. Which yeah, is to say that the angelical stuff, but and boom, comes from uh, a particular uh, comes from an initial interaction with a particular angel, a particular important angel who is like God and especially close to God. And this context too that of angels are part of natural law hmm. because they have no free will in the in the majority of understandings about them mm-hmm. that if they are communicating they are communicating from on high um, and it, it 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 keeps the the mezla flowing the direction that makes everyone comfortable by mm-hmm. natural law mm-hmm. that God can send a message to us mm-hmm. and the angel's faculty is to be able to speak back but only in so much as to deliver the message or be an agent of God's will right what's that uh, what's that Greek about uh, the uh, word for slave is tool that talks oh right I do not know this ah ah Tool that talks. That's the one of the ones I've heard, which is fascinating in terms of contextualizing what it is that Lucifer is, 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 is you know, ultimately falling for. Huh. Or not falling for. Well, in the context, too, of submission. Hmm. And if we take... Yeah. In the context, too, of submission, and if we take the parallel of Lucifer being Iblis um, in this kind of expansive way that... Mm-hmm. that, that First off, Iblis is jinn, not angel, which is interesting. Mm. He's, he's elevated to an angelic co-equal. And we're also back to a, a previous world's 
model, or that previous to ours, right. that 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 up to ten thousand years before our the creation of our humanity, mm-hmm. that the jinn were were here, and and that this exceptional jinn is recognized and adopted into the heavenly hierarchy, mm-hmm. and because of his being a jinn, which explains why he had free will to rebel and why he can do certain things as opposed to angels. Um, that in the creation of man, when when all angels are supposed to bow to the genius of the creation that is man, that is created in the image of God with the ability to have free will and decide and choose and create, that Iblis, in devotion to God, in devotion to Allah, refuses to bow. And strangely about that, you would think it's an enemy of man, but he's, no, I will support the creation, but I will not bow. And then he teaches man after this point, mm-hmm. tempts them in some, but this is a very Gnostic interpretation right. of, of, of this myth. It's not a universal, but it is still an interesting side that the, in the act of defiance is defiance out of love. That yeah. I uphold the unity of God yeah. by not doing what you're saying. Yeah. This is a test. Right. And therefore I become the tester mm-hmm. that I test the, ability of what you're saying to be the only truth right um, right and that notion of of rebellion uh in in and out of love is 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 fascinating and and and, and so rich in terms of oh uh the notions of, of, of things like uh, the the tolerance like is it is it enough to just turn up to church or does one have to believe as well? That's a tangent there. Sorry. Uh, I need to edit that down and out. Well, where are you going? What are you... I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that... The idea of... Not being jealous of, of mankind, but wanting the best for it. And the best is not to be told what to do all the time. You know, to look mm-hmm. to... You know, if you, you, know, you genuinely... I don't know. I almost want to go like dogs and cats. Like, well, is, 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 is an enforced, you know, eugenic loyalty the same? In some ways, that the, the the loyalty to the principle as opposed to loyalty to the person um, is they're two different things, and mm. both are considered loyalty. Mm. Um, that that um, the only time that's unified in, in an Iblisian way is in God. Mm. But then there is like the devotion to uh, principle of it that. La ilaha illallah becomes la ilaha illallah. There is no God but I, because if I separate myself from God, then I deny the unity of God. Mm. But at that point, could you take I to be... You have to look at the I from a point of unification with the principle, as well as your unification with the principle, as opposed to putting yourself above and still separate from God. Right. So the only way you can say that is from a specific con- context for it to be true with, with in how it's expressed. Mm. Um, unless you want to take it the kind of church of satan way and say that that i am the god right and then you take it in the way that humankind are god human mm-hmm. beings are god there is no god beyond human beings right um the other side of that being like freedom of speech that you know you can't champion freedom of speech as the the priority when it's because on when you're left out you champion freedom of speech because someone's threatening yours but when you've invoked freedom of speech as opposed to I don't want opposition and it's not fair that you're not letting me speak because when the coin is flipped and now you limit the freedom of speech of others, mm. there's other priorities at play mm-hmm. and we have to identify that, that idealism is leaves. There's too many serpents involved. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that it is not just as easy as saying, you know, everybody should be able to say what they want to say, except when it makes me upset. And, um, sure. Which is unfortunately the way a lot of things work that, you know, even the Facebook where we see this all the time, people that really love to go comment on other people's pages and, and cause issues. But when confronted on their own, this is my page. You can't say that. And you're like, we're operating in the same rules that I thought you were, but okay. Mm. You know, okay. The line is drawn. Mm. Um, liber, liber AF. Um, but it shows the, the idea or the necessity of labeling, of parsing things apart mm. to me, at least of saying, what is the priority here of, is the priority to follow? Is my loyalty blind loyalty? Is it to follow what God says and do the action? Because that is a perfect loyalty. The angels are perfect in that way, but they're designed to have perfect loyalty as opposed to it's, there's almost an active passive principle of, of loyalty versus integrity, right? Ah, and to be, to, to have integrity requires one to be, maybe not, maybe discernment isn't quite, quite the right word, but requires a responsibility and a, a, a self reflection. It requires discerning. I do think I do mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, because it is there, the rules will change based upon the situation, and that is the difficulty in it. That there are points where we can say this is not honorable or this is not loyal. And although some people may have mapped out all the possibilities of loyalty or honor, I, I don't know if that's actually possible. Hmm. It, it is something we can tell when we've transgressed it, and we can hint at it with when someone has transgressed against ours. But that's kind of like a pain factor. You can't punch someone in the face and they go, that really hurt. And you go, that didn't hurt. Well, I can't, I don't know. It's like a hospital has to treat the pain as real because you actually just don't know. Mm. If a person comes in and says, oh my God, my head's at a 10 on a scale of one to 10 because they don't want to assess or because they have another agenda, then you still have to treat because you do not know. Mm. And if they, if you have a context where they always, always come in and say that my pain's at a 10, that's a different thing. Right. Because you have more information, but if all you have to go on is a scale, and if someone goes, I'm at a four, I felt worse, then you really know have more information. But what if they're actually at a one and are doing that as a strategy to try and say, oh, give me a little something? <laughs> so there's so many factors that play in, and what's the agenda, and what's the game, and mm. who's playing there? Do I. The honor in, a, in, in having to assume truth of the unknown when it, when you are confronted with it. Not the, not the compulsion to do it, but the, you know, you say you have to take people at their word based on the assumption of attempting to, you know, do no harm. Within the boundaries of the truth are the limits of the lie. Hmm. Oh, que um, okay. Prezio, milk stone. Star. Star. Dandelion? Dandelion and candle magic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like since we made two episodes, we might as well get all our topics out. Uh, we can do that. As far as dandelion, I almost lost interest in the poor flower now. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because I think in uh, some systems of Native American quote-unquote astrology mm-hmm. uh, it is the flower of my birth time oh so dandelion dandelion right so 
there's a couple of things that I like and that appear to already talk about it. It is a, uh, it's it's it, you know, we can see it's pretty solar. Has its uh, its crown. It's it's basil rosette, mm-hmm. right? It's got its its yellow crown going on. Uh-huh. It's got solar qualities. Well, it's there. got it's like the and the basil rosette side of it that it, 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 its leaves grow out of a, a rosette on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's a directly a leaf crown out of the earth, which is ornamented by these solar poof balls. Mm. Um, and I would argue that it's inherently stellar mm-hmm. because when it goes to seed, it makes thousands of little floofy white things. Mm-hmm. It is the sphere of fixed stars that are no longer fixed. The, 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 thousands the of falling stars glide going through the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and can be used to in you know in you know, folklore practices for for hope and for time. Wish. Yeah, yeah. Hope, wishes, time, all that's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well. The 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 roots are used in things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have that notion of the the chthonic solar, the, the, the sun at midnight, the, the king in the underworld. So that gets us back to our, uh, our emperor. It's crowning out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's also this, these, these many things that come from the one, uh, the one falling out of the earth into the, into the air. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gravity out. So it does become mm-hmm. like falling star from the, from the sky below. If we follow that mm-hmm. cosmology, um, there are, many false dandelions as well. Oh, yeah? Um, but the one... I mean, dandelion itself is so prolific, it's a weed, mm-hmm. which I find the, the, the... You know, someone asked online once about uh, if I knew... If I had a, a deeper relationship, I would just say her name, but uh, on Facebook, a, a, a friend asked... Uh, I found an abandoned bird's nest. What could it be used for? Hmm. And it, I raised the question of what time of day did you find it? Was it abandoned with feathers in it? Was there pieces of broken egg in it? Did you find it on the sidewalk? Did you find it in the tree? Uh, you know, are you emphasizing the abandoned side or the bird's nest side? What kind of bird was in it? Because all these extra there are, and the questions went on from there because you have to look at all those contexts. If we really want to know what it's word, it's potential is. Mm-hmm. And as such, um, with dandelion, there is the important classification of it as a weed tenacity is a huge thing adaptability and survivability at all odds of diversifying your your resources um diversifying your investments sorry um of producing many seeds not one Mm. and allowing them to be carried by the wind which is by chance but also this kind of weird spell that it has cast on humans to disperse its seeds of of purposely dispersing its seeds Mm -hmm. um and getting disappointed when there isn't a puff ball Mm -hmm. or a blow ball as they're sometimes called Mm -hmm. uh on the dandelion pod bush. dandelion clocks as well. Yes. Mm. The dandelion root has uses in wine. Um, the leaves are incredibly edible, nutri- nutritive, um, really good for when you're going hiking. Uh, to Preserving water, right? Preserving water. And uh, just high in, in, in beneficial metals. Mm. Um, the preservation of water, it gets interesting when... We, we know that it's called piss the bed yeah. and is, is used as such a, a diuretic. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's interesting because the... Um, I, wanted, I actually don't know if it's to all plants. I just know that the stalk is called a beak on dandelion. Oh, yeah? Because um, it's just the beak of... Take the beak of this. Huh. Um, but dandelion is dandy. Lion, right? Yeah. So, it, lion's tooth. 
Um, or or just a super fancy lion. <laughs> <laughs> this lion's a dandy. foppish big cat. Oh, I like the this. cowardly lion, perhaps. <laughs> uh, so it is a common flower that is, is shunned for that factor a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, not considered a beautiful flower. Uh, but certainly, and it, it, it's, I'm assuming it's a composite, uh, meaning, I'm just curious if that's true. Uh, like the, are they like sunflowers? The sunflower is actually thousands of flowers. Right. And dandelion, like a mum, is very different. It's, I think it has little ones in the center mm-hmm. and then it bursts out from there. Mm. Um, but who knows any mythological lore that you want to highlight I mean nothing that springs to mind immediately I mean it's a milk plant it is a milk plant so we're back to our our imolky candlemassy kind of business in that it's a a plant that Seems to lactate and go to seed. No. <laughs> yeah, and the going to seed uh, again for the the turning white and becoming many. Yeah, it's interesting that we picked it at a time where it is turning white as opposed to starting white. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it starts white in the sense of the seed, and it turns into yellow, and then it goes back. It's the cyc- the cyclical mm-hmm. because it's so emphasized of that. Um, there is some lore to it being a plant that increases community hmm. because of the plentitude of oh. it. So uh, it is interesting because it ties to the star card in that way. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the parallels of if it is the star card and the multitude of the stars, it then gives, which came from the singular resemblance to the sun, hmm. which is our star. Hmm. So our star is one of many, uh, is a possible message from it. Hmm. Um, it is generally considered a masculine plant. Um, sometimes, uh, I believe it is a fire or an air ascription in most cases. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Jupiter is a common planetary ascription for it, as is the sun. Um, I know that in Ayurveda, I have been told, Mm -hmm. I will either confirm this through, um, bias confirmation on websites or otherwise, or provide contradicting information, but I believe it's Saturnine in Ayurveda. Um, and that might be because of the, of the use of the root. Um, yeah, yeah. And the element with time mm. itself. Um, yeah, they get called fairy clocks as well. Uh, You're yeah. a fairy clock. On a good day. Okay, transformation makes sense there too. Such an obvious metamorphosis into its seated state. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So if we have this whiteness going to color back to whiteness... This brings up a few things for me in, not in candle magic, but in the geomantic exploration. Because mm-hmm. we might as well segue to that. Sure, sure. It would be easy and, uh, I think, obvious to, to talk about the, that whiteness of the snow, of the candle, of the, of the milk, and, and go straight to Albus. I, I kind of want to hold off from that. I do want to raise that. It's like, okay, here's, here's some things. Here's, here's the white, the whitening, the whitened. Uh, th- those are useful and interesting things. For me, Albus has this quality of like hermity 
kind of withdrawal, solitude, uh, taking a step back, the distance that uh, attempting objectivity requires. And again, contrasting that to uh, Rubius and its its red mist and its becoming overly involved, um, even even down to its you know stuff on 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 affecting oneself with intoxicants of of uh, rendering oneself uh, thoroughly subjective, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So there is this quality of of so so this is one of the main things that I think about with Albus, which doesn't quite seem to fit the the notion of the preparation for spring the purification before uh, making the incision into time through which the future can can be birthed mm-hmm. right um, it's not it's not quite a figure of falling um, but in thinking about this idea of the one f- from many or the many from one uh, I think we have to talk about Aquisitio. Aquisitio, if we're, we're to look at its various house delineations, is always marked by a sense of, of, of not just m- much, but many, right? Not just a lot of one thing, but like many of many things, right? Myriad upon myriad. And, and, and with this notion, the, we have the, the white as the, as the agreement of all colours, the, the prison that it returns to and that it splits from, or via the, the prison, uh, which again gives us a, a little... Uh, shout out to to Newton, the man who looked at a rainbow, counted six colours, and went, "Doesn't quite feel magic enough. <laughs> I'm going to make indigo and violet two separate colours." But they are, Al. They are. Well, they are as well. But it so is so is light orange and dark orange. <laughs> Very true. It's the plus one. Yeah. Yeah. It's the dandelion. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, so, Aquisitio is too like uh, uh, I think John Michael Greer's pictographic reading of it is as a uh, the the three bottom lines form a a, triang- a a diamond of a bag, and then the the two at the top on the on the fire line form this kind of open uh, sack kind of mm-hmm. uh, pixel image. Uh, I like the idea of it being just simply two bowls viewed side on. Uh, one bowl on top of the other, so we have this notion of like we could talk about it as 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 what what, uh, what when when the first overfills. We also have the notion of two being the most you can hold in hands, uh, unless they're very small bowls, I suppose. Uh, the the, the two the two cupped hands themselves. Yeah, assuming you have two two arms um, to be ableist about this. Uh, the, the 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 two the two hands of of serving with both hands as well of of doing the most you can do. And, 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 and gaining the most you can gain. Right. Yes, I like this. I like it. So it's a Jupiterian figure, so it already obviously so it already has all that like plentitudes. Um, but I like to read some benevolence to it as well. It's not just personal gain. It's the gain of all. Like in 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 speaking of that all gain, in speaking of that uh, notion of. Um, Benefiting everything, and I, which of which I happen to be part of, uh, which which appeals to me greatly. But it does have that kind of cornucopious quality, as well as this kind of grandiose kind of abundance as well. Mm. Uh, or it can certainly certainly can have that in terms of its uh, relation with Albus. We have Albus as as an aright cup. If we if we take what I like to look at with Rubius of the upturned cup used for cupping. For bloodletting, then then Albus is the upturned cup of the inkwell and the skull, and the two cups or the two bowls of Aquisitio 
reflect the bowl as that which pours out rather than the bowl as jar as storage mm-hmm. right it's 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 there <coughs> it's to the cornucopia right it's there to gather and then pour and and but to from which, from whence things spring right which again from many from one many like the star card mm-hmm. the outpouring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of its uh, zodiacal uh, attributions it's uh mm-hmm. I say mainly. It's one of the ones that, that seems to be mainly a bunch of different things. Uh, at least, you know, several systems agree with what it is. But generally, Pisces or Aries or Sagittarius. Uh, and each of those is, I think, interesting. Uh, obviously, um, the two, the, the, the first and the last are themselves figures ruled by Jupiter. So that makes sense in terms of working out its planetary identity first. And I rather like looking at them uh, for their planetary identity. Uh, the, the figures, not for, but through. And the idea of each of the two figures representing the 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 hands of the planet as well. Um, so, in that mm. case, it is um, all of Jupiter that isn't Laetitia. Right? So, it, it, it's, it's, it's not the, the fleeting joy stuff. It's the uh, it's, it's the, the plutocratic, if we want to call it that, at its worst, maybe. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the abundant side rather than the elevating joviality. Uh, hmm. Which is, it's the, it's the wedding gifts rather than the wedding. <laughs> the Laetitia being, the, being often read as the wedding arch as well as a, a rainbow, which also gives it Sagittarian connections. So I like this Pisces thing of it being the two fish and two bowls outpouring again. Um, but yeah, it has that Aries thing as well. So we're creeping up to its kind of spring nature as well. That's interesting. Um, you know, as far as Albus goes, it is the thing that I'll come up against all the time. Of I have a study of the corresponding Odu, but it is one of the forbidden Odu. It's Uturupon. Ah. It's, it is a it's a higher up that is the province of Ifa mm-hmm. as far as things go. Um, doesn't mean I haven't studied it on everything I can on that <laughs> side of it. But it is uh, it is a hot, hot Odu. It does not have the correspondence necessarily of, of the, these forbidden things mm-hmm. don't exist quite as much. The, the one that carries that quality more than the others is perhaps the volatility of Rubius mm-hmm. slash Ika. Mm-hmm. There is a correspondence there, mm-hmm. and specifically the the harshness of the kaput and kata mm-hmm. pairing that those corresponding odu are are a lot to deal with, but they are um, not anything near the higher ups mm-hmm. like Rubius uh, and in this case Albus talking. Right, about. and there's a couple things towards uh, a kind of as I understand it towards restricting information about things and uh, res- to a sense, I suppose, attempting to restrict kind of access is on the one hand, as we, we talked about with, with Rubius, these are, rep- these are images of terrible things, yeah. right? They, and they, they, they evoke those terrible things. They are now present and you have to know how to propitiate them or deal with them or put them somewhere. Yes. There's also this idea that knowledge of things itself as it, I guess as it forms an image in the imagination and the mind as it's turned over and uh, and, and, and reflected upon and, and, and circled and prodded and poked, that this itself can heat a person up. Yes. Right. And and that far from it being this is 
something that only priests get to have because it's special. It's this is something that priests have to look after, <laughs> so it doesn't hurt people. Or even the idea that specialized priests mm-hmm. have to look after those things. Right. That the spirits that speak in those signs can be extremely difficult, even for someone who has a lot of work and mm-hmm. a lot of protection from different spirits, that there are spirits that will specifically help oversee the um, extreme nature and breadth of those signs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Albus is a very difficult one to talk about because there's not as much written about it. Um, mm-hmm. There, There are being on the outer edge and the bell curve of of Odu as to what it is um, it does not fall that often it can any fall but as far as shells mm-hmm. it is worth saying because the, yeah the, the bell curve yeah, the, 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 the Odus of life are in the center um, five, six, seven, eight but uh, okay looking at this looking at past August which is is a lovely thing and there's a lot of Osain speaking there for instance and the, the ladies of the night um, are we allowed to say the name of it? of Oturupon? yeah Oturupon yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I won't say the the other things for it but yeah. um, just out of respect for again there's a sensitive a sensitivity line of I am trying to reference only published things when I talk about these things mm-hmm. because it is not my place yet to add to this knowledge. I am still in training and I would not want to, one, selfishly endanger my training. Right. Um, and two, um, I do believe that the specificities of knowledge that are dealing with Odu are best reserved for people that have dedicated themselves to that system and are honoring that system. doesn't mean that I, that there I do think there should be some comparison as, or else we wouldn't be talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they enlighten it in that way. In the same way of talking about all of us as, um, an outpouring and a source of much and many, and this type of thing. Uh, 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 Sorry. Mm -hmm. Of talking about acquisitio as uh, an outpouring and, uh, the abundance that can come from that. Um, it's corresponding Odu is Ofun. And Ofun is a complex Odu that is shunned because it is, quote, where the curse was born. However, the easiest way to look at the pictogram for me is of a man falling. Hmm. It is an averse hominid hominid figure. Mm -hmm. Um, The head Hmm. is on the bottom and the legs are up top. Hmm. And Ofun is the fallen figure. Ofun was the eldest Odu and it fell from grace and became the last. Mm-hmm. So we can compare it to a Luciferian in that way. And if we want to talk about the cross-cultural comparison of Lucifer helping mankind out, Ofun tried to trap when he lived on Earth, tried to trap the evils of the world in pots and you know went from town to town catching these things. And different narrations of the story exist, but it, 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 in catching these things, in trapping them he creates a world that is starting to be free from the from the Ibi or the Osogbo of the world, the, the, the anti-gods. And a little girl who was his next-door neighbor or you know, babysitting in some way um, became his friend, and he would always tell her, you can do anything in the house except go in that room, which is where he kept and had the imprisoned ills of the world. And this is the Pandora's box story of, of, of Yoruba cosmology, or at least as the, as the Lukumi in Cuba talk about it. And uh, she lets them all out because of curiosity. She pulls back the sheet, and in you know I've heard differing accounts of she died, do her hair turned white, or <laughs> these the fright that happens. But there is no hope. There's no hope at the end of this. I was going to say yeah, the this, side of it is that he is shunned and has to leave the village and continue doing his work. 
And this is the nature of Ofun. It is the, the wounded healer that is not appreciated in some ways. There is the accusation of um, molestation towards him that is, you know, this, this thing of you have endangered a child, you what did you do to her, and that type of thing, if you find her dead, and why is she at your house, and all these other things. So when this falls, there is a very strict code of behavior that is applied or recommended, because no matter what you do, the fall is perceived. They People want that. The other side of it is that this sign, the curse that they're actually talking about, where the curse was born, is this is where money is born. Mm-hmm. And Ofun in heaven is the rightful king, and Ejobe and his followers decide that since Ofun distributes all resources evenly, they don't want this. They want to have more money in order to do that. They have to take it away from the poor, from other people to make them poor. Mm-hmm. So Ofun does not want this, and Ejobe tells people that he will do this, and so many of the signs and spirits gather around Ejobe um, to promote his ascent into kingship of the Odu. And they set a contest up, and it's rigged, and Ofun loses. Mm. And in this approach of the, the hierarchies of power and distribution of wealth, Ofun introduces money into the world. and say, if you're really going to measure your wealth, here's how you do it. Mm. And there's this side of that. You know, this, this Odu gives tremendous wealth if you know how to use it. This Odu gives tremendous healing ability. But if you take death's job away, you take her feast away too many times, she has no choice but to come after you. In this, in this Odu, death is your godmother. Hmm. Um, not your bride, which is in another Odu. Hmm. But it is an intrinsic relationship where you have to walk a very thin tightrope. And in that way, it shows its relationship to Ejiobe, which would be via, which we talked about in the first episode, hmm. the, that the behavior is incredibly needed to, to modify things. You must follow all the prescriptions of Ogbe to hang on to what blessings you do have. And it can be a tremendous source of wealth, both spiritually and monetarily, if you follow that strict behavior. Um, so, you know, this, this idea of the falling man, because it's, it's reverse, it's upside down one is Oshe, which um, is Amisio, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Oshe to bring in one more sign into the mix uh, is the human upright. It's, it, it was the youngest, and now it has Ofun behind it, but it's still considered the youngest, but it's our ability to appeal to the gods and be heard. It's the solution to everything. It is the savior of mankind, which is um, things flowing and sweetness flowing, and it's, mm. it's life. It is one of the big oldu of life, mm. um, but it's where Oshun is found heavily. Mm-hmm. So it's you have the, shells, yeah. the, the, the cursed Obatala, figure, um, which you can parallel onto different interpretations of the Odua and Obatala story, that Odua uh, is constantly uh, stealing the Ashe of Obatala to complete tasks that were not assigned to him. And the likelihood is, without overly euhemorizing, that this represents uh, two different um, historical kingships, one yes. layered over, over the other. That, that Obatala was a native deity of the Igbo people, and that when the Yoruba came in from the, um, from the Benin area, that the Edo people, they uh, overlaid their deity on them. They were both very similar, being culturally in this way. But Odudua and Obatala are the division between religious and secular authority. Um, there is a good book called uh, City of 201 Gods mm-hmm. that goes into this kind of... The relationship between hegemonic myth-telling and uh, historicity in this way, that the contextualization of this, that the festival, the, pol- the religion... And religious expression serves to um, elucidate the state's relationship with itself and its people and its and the world around it. Right. 
um, in, in that lovely way. Um, but this idea of needing to, since you know that people are wishing for your downfall and trying to project upon you, like saying like, don't hang out with children alone. Don't, don't do more than you need to in this way. Try and live very purely. Don't use too many hot things on your head because you don't know what's going to activate certain things. Mm. Just, it is even in some ways more strict than, than via in our, than Ogbe. And this is because the consequences are perhaps even more dire. You not, not only just fall off the tightrope of your goal, but it can end your life. Mm. It can see absolute failure or it can see amazing success. Mm. So Ofun is, uh, it's an interesting one. That's a fascinating take on, you know, we're saying the comparison with the Greek Pandora myth being at least she gets hope at the end mm-hmm. and there is, there is, there is no hope, yeah. but what there is is a series of hopes that you don't need hope. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Well, it, the hope is found in Oshé, which mm. is the youngest Odu always. So it's still in Oshun's ability to give us the things that make life worth living mm. um, and plead on our behalf to God to always make sure that rain falls and that life continues. Mm. Um, that the ancestors are, are re- returned in the form of rain as well, so mm. we share their wisdom and they go back into the earth and fertilize it in this cycle. That we remain able to taste the sweetness of life and become mm. not bitter. Exactly. Mm. That no matter what, with Ofun, don't give up. Mm. Even if all odds are against you the strength of the Odu, you will produce wealth. You will produce abundance by sticking to it. Mm. Despite discouragement. Mm. That the fight is never insurmountable. Despite mm. the odds, despite having to live life a very specific way, you are still alive. And if you have, if you are alive and if you have health, especially above all, ask for health. If you are alive and healthy, you can figure the rest out. Mm. Mm. The other blessings can be taken away but they can be regained more easily. Mm. Health away, life away. It's why death and disease are the two leaders of all the Osobo, all the Ibi, mm. all the warlords, the Ajawum, mm. the, the anti-gods. Because if you take health away, it will lead to death and you have no option. Right. If you can keep health, even if you're not dead, as long as you have life within you, you can do something. <laughs> So I guess that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. The hope is that... Hope in ourselves. Yeah. Count your blessings. Mm. Still alive. Even if people hate you. (laughs) Not dead yet. Even if people wished you wanted your... Right, right. Not today, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Not today, Satania. Yeah. Get thee behind me, medium. You know, and and in that way, too, that is one of the primary expressions of, of candles. Mm. is hope and prayer, mm. especially in the West, right? Mm. So it can have other symbolisms as well, but it keeps the prayer alive. It is the tongue of fire that moves, right. that as you pray, you light the candle, and the candle burns and symbolizes the heart, the devoted heart yeah. burning. Yeah. Um, the twist of the wick as well, I like to think about. the, the Again, that, that twisting, that tension, that bringing of, diff- of, of, of several strands together in one thing that will burn as one. And I like the idea in making candles um, that the wick in some beliefs must be spun from complex thread, meaning it can't be a strand. It has to be something that has both clockwise and counterclockwise spinning, that it must contain both Mm. in order to successfully carry out the intention because the candle, especially if you're going to use the candle for divination, the way that many pillar candles are used now, Mm -hmm. I really have an issue with paraffin. Um, I find that candle divination with 
paraffin candles, the seven day pillar candles that are really only three and a half or four days. Um, it's very hard to divine with chimney candles in this way um, because the impurity of the paraffins and the wicking mm. and everything like that, it, it doesn't quite feel the same as reading the melted wax off of something. I understand that there's a whole school that's developed in reading these things mm-hmm. and seeing the success of a spell or something like that in that. Um, it's often how much it's burning rather than looking at the, or the caraman- caramancy. The, rather than like wax divination, it's, yeah, it's, it's a replacement for wax it's a, divination. It's a, pyro, it's, it's a pyromancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, not only just pyromancy and how it's burning, but um, a smokeomancy mm-hmm. of how, its interaction with the glass. Mm. Um, what patterns of smoke are there? Mm. Is there smoke on the top half, the bottom half? Mm. You know, what's the motion, the movement from that is more important than necessarily. We're, we're capturing motion in in, in stillness. Uh, Tree rings, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, and pouring wax into water as well. I like doing that. And I like being able to take those things and, you know, if it, if it looks ill, you know, pouring more wax on it, <laughs> changing the fortune, changing what's... Manipulator of lots you right. are. Yeah. Um, Back to Nick's sorcery and sorcerage. Mm-hmm. Mm. Candle magic, you know, there's, there are quite complex examples of it, in, in, in especially as promulgated in the 30s through 50s, right? right. And, and in the revival of hoodoo. Gamash. Yeah. Henri Gamash. Um, but in this, having an astral candle or a candle for the person's guardian angel and their zodiac sign and moving things around and closer together or repelling them. I always thought, yeah, I, I, I wondered how, um, I mean, I know the, you know, the, the stars are referred to throughout history as like the, those great lanterns. I always thought like, but did people really do, you know, seven candles for the, the seven uh, planets? Yes. Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, Campanella's uh, anti, uh, anti-conjunction kind of astrological fallout shelter that he builds for the Pope uh, is it, it's listed right there. Five, well, that's, that's, fi- five of one kind of candle and two of another for the two luminaries. Like, categorically done. The seven lamps of the temple. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This, is, this is mentioned. Um, and then the difference between that and the Hanukkiah, the menorah versus the Hanukkiah, and these extra lamps that are needed there because of remembrance of a night as opposed to the function of the, of the lamp itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is interesting because you're altering just in, the, in that, that magical theory, right? It is actually, they're talking about the same lamp that has seven, but they add more to it to symbolize the night and the miracle as opposed to remembering the physical thing itself that was changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was seven became nine. That's another fascinating uh, instance of, of the... Of Quisitio and candle magic, isn't it? The, or, or, or I should say, like uh, lamp magic, I suppose uh-huh. technically, the oil that just keeps giving. Hmm. And even in the symbolism of a candelabra, in that way, that the one base supports many lights, hmm. is is uh, an echo of that figure, hmm. um, the, the light itself. Or what does it mean, um, like for Orisha lamps, um, where we code with numbers? It is not as common in world mythology to always code with numbers mm. in this way, but that every deity has its at-home numbers and right. that every Odu has its numeric expression. And in this way, that if I'm making an olive oil lamp or an almond oil lamp or whatever it is, the oil that I'm using, which will also be coded to the deity, mm-hmm. um, and I use the term deity for sake of, of convenience, I, I they are Orisha and there is no exact translation of Orisha that will suit them. I say that as a priest. However, I'm going to go back to using deity because it is more universal. Mm-hmm. Um, that if I'm making a lamp to a Batala, that by virtue of the fact that there are eight wicks could be enough. Mm. Mm. Or eight of something in there with the one wick. Mm. But the idea that you can code through number is interesting. That we know that there's seven, that there is a planetary 
set up most likely because of seven wicks or seven planets. Mm. We know the difference between um, a menorah and a Hanukkah because of the number mm. that it is. You could light one candle every night and have all the visualization, but no. You want to see it build up. So to have eight flames invokes Obatala. At the festival of Oshun in Osogbo every year, there's a 16-wicked lamp that is lit. That it, 16 is the number of Al-Odu, it's the number of mm. Urumila, it's the number Oshun uses it because she's the, the wife, the Apatabi of Urumila. Mm. So the 16-wicked lamp becomes important there. That uh, This idea that the lighting four things at once is bad because it invokes the four candles you put around the bed when you die. Mm. Um, that four candles in a room can be terrifying three, in that way. Three is also not a good number for... Three, three can be hard. Yeah, yeah three. Yeah, yeah. But it's the number of certain arishas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, certainly the Trinity in, in church looks that way. But look at um, that you must have six candles or more for a high mass in the Catholic church. <laughs> the, 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 the idea of a six candle mass is used, uh, especially in like the, the, the 12 truths of the world. Um, that, that, you know, the, the six candles of the mass, not every mass has six candles, but you have to have two mm-hmm. must I, have. Two. I like the two candle thing in, in, uh, in Ocha, uh, traditions around, we, we, we praise the Orisha in Orun uh-huh. in heaven and on earth. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Cause that, you know, two coming from, you know, uh, uh, neo-pagan perspective, you know, the two two lights yeah. feels very Hecate and, yeah. uh, but, but not just, uh, not just opening uh, a door to somewhere or a crossroads of something, but the meeting of heaven and earth mm-hmm. and the sense of being, and even from the Hecate thing of, uh, where you're coming from, where you're going as, mm. a, as a road, mm-hmm. as a deity of that mm-hmm. road, the three way crossroad. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not the four way crossroad, we're talking three ways. You've come from one way. So you go left or right and here's your options. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this mm-hmm. thing that it, let me illuminate your path. Look mm-hmm. at where you've been, look at where you're going. Mm-hmm. And here's the moment to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly that we always offer two candles, uh, to everything or uh, wise, because the other side of it is similar to heaven and earth. It echoes the living and the dead mm-hmm. candles to light your dead candles to light your, your gods and, and go from there that the mm-hmm. twin flames becomes important that, uh, in the feast of Pentecost, which we, I'm sure we'll do an episode on <laughs> or around mm-hmm. that the idea that humans in their receiving the gifts of the Holy spirit become living candles. They have the light in them. They become the tongues the flames of tongue tongues of flame are seen over their head as symbolized in St. Judas's common image. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is, Gorgeous to become a living candle, mm. Whew. and then the, then the whole like I burn my candle at both ends <laughs> will not last the night. Uh, to to idea that you're working yourself too much mm-hmm. with this. What is it when a flame through divination this way like splits? Um, all of that. The forked tongue. The forked tongue. Absolutely. I mean, again, going back to oil lamps, there is so I, I'm a huge fan of oil lamps, mm-hmm. and it is it is an easier time than ever. Make oil lamps great again. <laughs> um, oh my god! I extend this metaphor all the time, but it is an easier time just because of the resources. And I will give a cheat because there are a lot of oil lamps we have used. All of us have used the cotton. You try and hand roll it, and you do it, and you figure it out. It can work. It can work. But I will highly recommend Orthodox floats. I don't like the smell of paraffin. It makes the whole house smell like bad paraffin. Mm. Um, so the floats are the the little they're like uh, like a couple of coins thick of a, and about that size of cork with the spaces in 
to insert these wax-covered mm-hmm. kind of wicks? They are beeswax-covered wicks. And mm-hmm. the importance of that is that these wicks that you can get on eBay for like 100 for 5 or a float, you get 15 of them for $5. They're imported from, from Greece. Um, I'll, I'll, God, I'm going to recommend vendors probably on eBay. <laughs> but I rec- I'll just put the search term in. Mm-hmm. Um, the import- and you can even get scented wicks, mm-hmm. um, rose-scented wicks or lavender-scented wicks or jasmine-scented wicks. But they're made for burning with olive oil, which is a huge difference for burning with natural oils. And they do need to be replaced probably once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if you have the floaters, you can actually just put a new floater in. The idea being that much like an oil in the philosophy of oil making that mm-hmm. I and have promoted both in my personal life and through Wolf and Goat, uh, an oil is a bottle spell of which the oil is the fluid medium. The oil itself is has gotten mistaken over the years. I do believe that smell is important. However, smell is secondary in the older recipes. Mm-hmm. That If you are using materia, of different animals and plants and fallen stars and all these things mm-hmm. that how an oil smells is not the most important factor. Right. It has become in recent years and that's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Those are different types of oils to me. Mm-hmm. An oil lamp, it does not necessarily matter how it smells. The point of burning the oil lamp is not for the smell, but by adding in hollowing out a honeydew melon and putting in things in eights that Obatala likes and putting in almond oil and putting one wick or eight wicks if you can, is a lamp that in, is naturally honed into the ashe. It increases the ability of that Arisha to, to manifest on the earth. Mm. Um, it is a token offering of an energy exchange, sure, of, you know, I've sacrificed these things and I light it and you give me what I want, but I, I, I look at it on the other level of, you've gathered those things in one place, it increases the ability of the Arisha to manifest. Mm. Um, not just as a payment, mm-hmm. but as a natural place a portal and a concentration and, of and that instantiation thing. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so by the nature of those things it, it is a thus the sum is greater than the or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts right and and whenever we do those kinds of devotional things as well as you know asking for particular outcomes and help and that thing i love that that thing of the language of of to wash a floor is to make yamaya yeah right the, the deity of water is we interact and make her as opposed to worship her. Mm-hmm. That is the activity of daily life that we interact with the gods through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, even the idea in Spanish of hacer to make or to do, um, the saint to mm-hmm. make or to do the spell, um, that we must in essence, co-create the world anew. And this is a very magical thing, right? Cause you are controlling, you are microcosmically controlling something by isolating it, by solving it, coagulating everything mm-hmm. of, uh, I have this spell that I want to do. I'm going to gather the ingredients and then I'm going to breathe life into it. Uh, through the words that I say, stirring. I love that stirring, uh, turning concept. the ocean of milk. Right, right, right. Uh, Agrippa's, uh, you know, bruised mustard seed like, stirs up the virtue inherent in the mustard. It's not, but it's not just about the material. It's about stirring it out of the material in its combination of, you know, all these different uh, things. You know, it's, it's an answer to why do we need to gather solary things to do a solar. Uh, ritual if they already have all this solar virtue in them. And it's like, well, it's like invisible writing. You've got to like put it over the flame to like bring it into the, not just, not just activate it in itself, in the material, but in the, in, in, in the world. And it crucially at that, that, uh, that crux of, of these things together. Mm-hmm. It's the snowball that gains momentum. You have to make the snowball first before it gains a certain momentum. Mm. Um, 
and it, a couple of things uh, coming back to the star card even of uh, the kind of candle magic there that the, can- the stars are flames of a sort um, and represent many a hope and dream as we discussed mm. but that she's pouring out water and there are several stellar traditions of looking for the reflection of stars in water either mm-hmm. boiling it or capturing the starlight in water never to be shown light again um, this is common uh, especially in like a uh, uh, Muslim Moroccan and even Berber magic and mm-hmm. this influenced Spanish magic even going into southern France of stellar lore that happens there um, going into uh, wish I could read that note right there oh the idea of catching a spirit in flame like we talked about with the invocation of Sibylla oh yeah yeah and the idea of um invoking a spirit into fire and then what do you do with that fire Mm. can you burn something else up is it the deity burning or is it the spirit burning the petition paper is it accepting the petition burning the idea yeah yeah. does does burning the the pact destroy it or does it render it like a thing in kimbanda right it empowers to burning yeah it's calcining it yes so they we we give to fire so that fire may speak to us Mm -hmm. that the day at the fire at the center of the crossroads is now has the thing Mm -hmm. or that in chinese ancestor worship to burn paper to burn paper refrigerators to burn paper cell phones is to give the thing to to the dead mm-hmm. um, because we must make it dead mm-hmm. to, to enjoin it to the That's, other world. Yeah, yeah. So some houses in Kimbanda very readily uh, burning the photographs of the person so that Eshu knows who the person in, who mm-hmm. the reading is for. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, San Simon in Guatemala that the offerings are all burnt. They're mm-hmm. all burnt in a pit, in a ditch so that he can receive them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Take idea of, of our sacrifice world. itself right. that that you remove something from this world so that it can be in another. Yeah, and that the burnt sacrifice takes it up. Mm. So there is the, the, mm. the sacrifice, especially for sky deities, and mm. the Olympian impulse mm. of burnt offerings are mm. important. Spilling it on the ground is a different thing. Spilling and burying, very catonic. Mm. And, and the Greeks have this ready divide between the two types of deities. And some deities can be found in both places. Mm. It's interesting with... with uh, talking about Candlemas and the purification that Mary must go give an offering mm. because she had a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, she must go if she has a girl too, but the offerings are different if you have a boy versus you have a girl, I believe. Oh, really? Um, you know, uh, Mary Temple. I didn't see that. Offering. Uh, well, because, you know, boys are favored. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, whatever. I, that's not even that important. But the idea that... Uh, the idea of combining... Uh, the, the idea that the, just as the incense will carry the, the, the prayer up, the candle, like the combination of prayer, incantation, words, speech, the idea of carving uh, speech words onto the candle, uh-huh. uh, that, 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 that there is a, an interrelation as well. But again, it's not just the candle doing your spell for you. No, and all the kind of neo-pagan descriptions, and rightly so, the candle being a phallic symbol mm. um, that you are that is spurting forth seed constantly while it is on fire mm. um, or the oil lamp being far more feminine uh, in nature which many people uh, mm. love to because it is usually in a, a bowl mm. so this reception of the flame mm. it is the seed being planted in the womb mm. for growth um, and being provided the nourishment that allows a certain child to be born um, if you look at it that it's way it's a, a flatness rather than a pillar it's a containing mm. as a force as opposed to turning 
a very destructive thing of turning what was solid into air mm-hmm. and flame mm-hmm. uh, through boiling the wax. Because mm. um, it is not the wick that burns. It is the boiling wax that is used through the medium of the wick. Mm. So the wick is, is wicking. It's straw. It's like a straw pulling mm-hmm. the boiling wax up. That That is what burns. Mm. Um, and the opposite with a, an oil lamp. It's Obviously the wick is, is there, but the oil is liquid and can be added to very easily. It's very hard to add to a candle. We can transfer the flame, which is incredibly important. Why don't we snuff a candle out? There's so many ideas about this, but it is a very, very common belief about candle magic. Not to, not, not not to blow it out, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we blow a candle out? Hmm. Um, very common belief in candle magic. I like the idea of that alliance of with, with the breath of, of, of words. If the candle and the prayer have an agreement to work together to use breath to destroy the candle is to betray that yeah, agreement. That it's, uh, if you've already given the candle its mission to blow it with something else mm-hmm. is dangerous mm-hmm. um, and alters the, alters the pact. Mm-hmm. Um, There's stuff around putting candles out on you or you, you know, not just snuffing them, but like deliberately doing it. Yeah. To, pinching to it. Hurt one, yeah. Or to um, put it out on parts of the body. Yeah, absolutely. To to take the flame into one's part, different parts of the body, mm-hmm. to feel the pain of what it is as as a reminder, mm-hmm. um, in that way, or the illusion of which the church, Catholic Church loves to do of making oil lamps look like beeswax <laughs> um, candles, <laughs> so they are actually oil in this way, mm-hmm. um, and very expensive. But mm-hmm. uh, one more piece of candle magic. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about lamp black. Uh huh. Does it count as candle magic? Mm. The well, making. Let's say the making of lamp black, not the use of it. Okay. The making of it, I would say, counts as a profound. Well, act of candle magic. If we want to talk about grimoires in general, and and of course our love of lamp black being <laughs> ink based, and I can extend it to um, find you have your seven candles to represent the seven planets, and or uh, the use of silver spoon or different metal spoons with silver being exceptionally good for lamp black mm-hmm. um, imagine the wooden handles on those spoons being keyed into certain associations and the spoon having been only cleaned in the tea or tisane of herbal associations in that way and that depending on the planetary hour you then collect lamp black in certain planetary hours only from a candle that has been consecrated to the same planet with the car with the, with the symbols and characters of that planet carved upon mm-hmm. it and oils rubbed upon that candle mm-hmm. or a fire kindled with woods in certain planetary hours with things carved into them mm-hmm. and essential oils or herbs added into those flames mm-hmm. <coughs> to collect that which makes ink to the relationship of Lucifer to knowledge itself mm-hmm. the light bringer the spark the torch in the goat's horns that then can be collected and used. Then you have your two bowls of acquisitio mm. of, um, just the, the, it can also be the, in some ways, the flame or the spoon being held over the flame of this just extending it far beyond is actually utilitarian. I love the, the, the idea of using the back of the spoon. Yes. So rather than it's the, yeah, the, not the not the not the bowl of it, but it's it's uh, the yeah the other side of the spoon. 
the thing I like about spoons are, especially nicely shiny ones, is the invocation of two is very readily there. Um, both the concave and convex, but that it is so easy how many people don't have memory of seeing their weird distorted reflections in a spoon. Mm-hmm. So by lamp black, by looking at it, you blacken out something to then scrape it off and the distortion of, of reflection. Yeah, huh. that, that it, uh. it does play on this type of thing. Um, and that similarly, a spoon, if it's silver, carries the shape of the moon, which is the gateway of the rest of the heavenly bodies because it is the closest to earth. Right. So if something, we talked about this before, but it, um, there is the old fashioned thing of just wait for the moon to align with another planet or another star. And it will, it will filter that thing to yeah, you because we're in the sublunary. And so the, the curve of the spoon and everything is there. And similarly, the curve of the spoon echoes the waxing and the waning moon, but you turn it towards the front or the side and it can become the full or the mm-hmm. new moon. Uh, all very, practical ways of, of, of looking at those things in, in and the idea of gathering the evidence left behind by something you're not gathering the flame you're not transferring the flame you're, you're transferring the, the effect of the flame the eternal flame mm. the principle of it must be kindled um, fuel must be added or even on a candle level of this spell needs to keep going mm. and lighting the match from one candle to transfer it to another, which some people say is fine if you're doing anything except love or peace because the sulfur in the match head and the ex- <laughs> accelerant. So they'll light wood that is associated with the spell work or the, the task at hand, or they use what is used in churches, some type of small thin taper that is beeswax that mm-hmm. can burn the flame in that way. Yeah. And then you can actually wave that out because yeah. you transfer the flame. Yeah. But the idea of, um, I've seen people do like the seven plus one thing where they have the original intent and then they get a seven uh, day pillar candle in colors of the days of the week and they keep the one, the one in the center keeps being replaced, but it's, they look for almost like the house system we talked about with Tara, but they look for the expression of that, of how that planet can help the original spell. So lighting um, silver or white candle on Monday for the moon, even though the original candle was something color, color different. Mm-hmm. And then if you make an oil lamp, which is often uh, a possibility for me, exploring the same thing of adding things in each day of the weeks to, mm. to tailor it to that mm-hmm. or to take oil from the oil lamp and cook with it to add it to an existing planetary oil lamp mm-hmm. so that if nothing else, um, if there's intent going on and there's spell work or devotional oil lamps that are just for certain tasks that you can then take a spoonful of that oil and add it into the planetary oil lamp of the day, mm. which will then allow you to automatically include that. And it helps you, uh, explore the intentions as to how that planet can help that thing manifest. Right, right, right. Um, and once you're into that, you're, you can you can also start playing with the the duration of days. Like, do I do an uh, you know a seven day working so I'm back to the original? So I start on the planet I want to end on, or do I end on a different planet so that there's a reflection of like the project has to start like this and, uh, and end in a different way? Yeah. Jen's art's exploration of this of elections should be starting and ending of an operation that making an oil or starting a task of looking at the start and end operation yeah. Uh, election yeah. in that way that you could choose. I'm starting on a Tuesday in the hour of Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, and I'm ending on a Saturday in the hour of Mars, mm-hmm. um, and and really playing as to what that is. Mm-hmm. In addition to with oil lamps, you have the possibility. Of, I did planetary oil lamps for a while while working with the Heptameron invocations for a, for a year, and then I did the Orphic hymns and changed the oil lamps up. But gathering semi precious stones and herbs mm-hmm. and, and animal parts in, mm-hmm. in the lamp oil and mm-hmm. just constantly lighting them in that way, but also um, having a master lamp that 
after they had sat in there for a week, the oil of emptying them in half and putting them into the master lamp so that all seven planets were represented. Or that if I was doing um, a money lamp, that it had lamp oil from all seven planets in it, not just... Because you can find a way to access money through all seven planets. It is not just a simple saying, oh, Saturn is the one that hoards it, oh, and, and Jupiter is the one that expands it, yeah. and Venus is the one that enjoys it, hmm. and Mercury is the one that steals it. And, you know, there are, there are ways to look at how to get your goal mm-hmm. through the lens of every single thing, in the same way that every worker can work the spell, but they will have different strengths, and you must learn how to play to your strengths and cater to those different adaptations similar to how we talk about anything you have to see which way the wind is going right and the idea of the working being the prism that unites all these separate factors into the one result uh, or the one illumination in which the result one flame to rule them all yeah 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 we've done a pretty thorough thorough something yeah we've done a thing of thoroughness yeah i think everything is, is in the thoroughness for of the, the first thing. time everything is crossed off the list that's because we made two six episodes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the hours are going to be uh, but this is know. six hours of material yeah. all in all um which is impressive but uh what better time to wake up our intention than than, than this lovely whitening and uh may the snowdrops pierce the little Mm. Snows. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, please feel free to find us on Facebook, like us there, ask questions, yeah. uh, subscribe, subscribe. Find us on Twitter. Twitter, we will announce all the sh- anything modified, mm-hmm. show notes wise, mm-hmm. and, and uh, speaking and that type of thing. The if- the website, which is again www.radiofreegolgotha.com, has uh, our. Uh, episodes has uh, links to blogs and and resources that we enjoy and uh, and respect uh, and, and find illuminating and also links to or also uh, yeah they are links uh, to upcoming <laughs> shows uh, talks webinars that kind of thing um, yeah and 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 our artwork we both will be speaking at the cursing conference or the conference on the topic of cursing <laughs> uh, at the museum of witchcraft. In conference May, in yeah. Boss Castle? Is that how I pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, I don't want to be shunned right out. <laughs> uh, that's in early May. Mm-hmm. I'll be at the Virginia Symposium in early June, mm-hmm. uh, speaking on um, Osain, actually. Uh, and that will be in Damascus, Oregon. You can look it up at uh, viridisgeni.com. I'll put a link in the footnotes. Uh, as well as uh, late February, early March, we'll see a few webinars from me on Kimbanda. And yes. Intro to Kimbanda. Al and I are probably, I, I believe that that will start it, but Radio Free Golgotha will have a consistent webinar access between the two of us. Mm. So um, if you're interested in hearing more on certain things, please let us know. Mm. I will highly push Al to do some geomancy uh especially remedial for those of us that don't understand these English words. Um, well, they're Latin words. That's my first problem. But um, anyway, uh, pushing each other to, to do topics uh, that are of interest for people. So please feel free to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to provide counters. Feel free to provide money. <laughs> um, yeah, it's but, never, uh, never going to be missed. It's never going to be missed. But uh, Maybe mostly we have fancy tea or something while we're doing this. Yeah. Which would yeah, be nice. Yeah. Uh, favorite tea right now, Al? Favorite tea right now. I'm doing uh, a, stand, a very standard Earl Grey, but I'm putting a little smidge of lavender in there, in the tea ball as well. 
with the loose leaf Earl Grey. And then is this Clover Honey. People do for shits and giggles and like rebellion against the, the man <laughs> add a, a little flower into a the Earl Grey a little, a little Earl uh, Grey which is a little bit of tea with your bergamot mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Grey and lavender cupcakes are also amazing should, lavender ice should make some more it's just you, the secret is just add way more sugar than you than you think otherwise it, it doesn't necessarily work uh, speaking of webinars if we're if anyone is interested in the kind of talk of planetary magic and the importance of prayer the the main webinar series i've got coming up starting on the 11th and running for seven weeks is uh, a planetary incantations uh, course so spending each week looking at one of the planets looking at their extant prayers invocations charms from various historical sources the real seven planets the proper seven planets historically the older the better none of these Um, yeah Johnny come lately. <laughs> Imposters to the throne. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us again. It's, as always, a delight to do this with you, Jesse. Always. And uh, I always have much to think about uh, for the episodes to come. <laughs> and I'm lucky that I get you all the time because I'll probably just Facebook you and be like, Oh, I'm this! <laughs> so, um, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to share this and uh, I feel... Uh, feel good. Thank you so much for listening and have a good rest of your February. Yeah, may you have all the purifications you need. May you stockpile a collection of uh, delightfully consecrated candles. <laughs> may the milkless, may the, I don't know. Fuck it, it's, it's lots of hope and dandelion puffballs up your arse. <laughs> Sideways and. Um, Love to you all. Um, mm. The sleeper must awaken. Que viva los guerreros de Palmo Adi. Zapatita! Ay, carajo. Okay. <laughs>